Hey guys, it's the Andrew Bello from the Humming Media Group Podcast of the Year, the Wednesday Locker Room, and the former host and founder of the Next Level Wrestling Podcast. It's 2021, and it's time to kick out and leave the past behind us. Humming Media Group starts the year off with over 2.25 million downloads, and our fan base is continuing to grow every day. Thank you for subscribing and sharing all of our channels, podcasts, and videos, and for standing strong with HMG in the face of ongoing censorship. We will always adapt and overcome any obstacles put in our way. We will overcome and certainly achieve even more success in the ever-changing digital landscape. Please make sure you're subscribed to Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Thank you to all of the Patreon.com slash Media Group subscribers, home of the Rip Rogers FR podcast, named by Patreons to be their favorite show on the entire Hameen Media Group network. More content, including marketing and podcasting seminars, watch-alongs from Hameen's career in 2CW, OVW, DCW, and more. When you subscribe to Patreon.com slash Media Group, you are the fuel that drives HMG's free shows for the entire community. We salute you and thank you for your continued support in 2021. We continue our year supported by our daily listeners and our local sponsors, including ProWrestlingTees.com. Get the shirts of all your favorite Hummy Media Group wrestling personalities and support them directly. Greek God Papadon, Stevie Richards, Chris Silvio, SEG Shirts for Big Sal, and of course, Benamin Yala. Also, check out ZordosOliveOil.com. Make a healthy choice for 2021 when you cook with Zordos Ultra Premium Artisanal Olive Oil imported directly from Greece. Visit ZordosOliveOil.com today and taste the difference of an ultra premium product for yourself. And wake up, bro. It's time to get the official Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Kick the day off right, bro, with a cup of Broaster's Coffee. The exclusive limited edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee is a medium roasted Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that will have you up and ready to go, bro. Order yours exclusively at thebroasters.com. And it's 2021, and the Hameen Media Group staff are all committed to Stevie Richards Fitness this year and getting ourselves into the best shape we've ever been in. You've seen Big Ray's amazing transformation, and there are plenty of SRF members interacting right now, motivating each other for the new year. So don't worry about gyms and lockdowns. Let's get in shape together, using our community for support and Stevie Richards Fitness to achieve our goals for 2021. Join us and visit StevieRichardsFitness.com for the most affordable and effective home workout program that will give you results, real results. 12 and 16 week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at StevieRichards.com and RussoBrand.com where the pros are pros, bro. Hear the most valid opinions in wrestling from the pros who live it. No other podcasting platform and online wrestling punditry has the lineup of wrestling stars like RussoBrand.com. Stevie Richards, Disco Inferno, Shane Douglas, Just Incredible, Big Vito, Stevie Ray, Taylor Hendricks, Bin Hameen, and now there's even more shows on the way with a partnership with the two-man power trip. Why would you go anywhere else but RussoBrand.com? 
We thank you for listening and being an incredible community of wrestling-addicted, conspiracy-minded, straight-brim hat-wearing infidels. By the way, Bin Hameen wrote this copy, and I'm currently in a basement being held at gunpoint. He's already shot Adlers twice, and I hope this is the correct style of intro he was looking for. So enjoy the show, HMG listeners. Please, for the love of Stevie, enjoy the show. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Ladies and gentlemen, aliens of all ages, welcome to the Star Trek Academy podcast. It is me, Commodore Zerdos, the man who loves olive oil and donuts. Uh, I am joined by my man. He is the master of the Lake Press at Planet Fitness, loves Cajun food, and is a huge Captain Cisco Mark. My man, Big John Enright. Johnny, how are you, sir? Doing good, very good, but... I'm not only a Captain Cisco mark, I am even a bigger mark for the Admiral who has entered the room today. We are here saluting the Admiral of Star Trek. Admiral Richards has entered the room. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the master of the Stevie Kick, the gentleman who knows everything about Star Trek, the gentleman who will enlighten us on everything that we need to know and how Star Trek is just planting the seeds for the future and how we're going to become boards. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, Admiral Jesus. Stevie Richards in the room right now. Give it up, everybody. Here we go. Yeah. If you, um, if you call, by the way, there are four lights, but uh, yes, if you are, call me, if you call me, that's very telling for today's world too. Uh, if you call me Admiral, it almost feels, it feels like I'm on the back nine of my career and life <laughs> and everything that I have to, much like uh, Admiral Kirk mm-hmm. had an itch to get back his uh, command and then took it over because the guy from Ferris Bueller's day off couldn't uh, run a starship. Yeah, so, you're right. <laughs> well, we can demote you to captain. I mean, if you want to be demoted like, like Shatner was, we I can want the uh, Admiral pay, but the captain, uh, the workload helps that. Right. Out. Yeah. Well, well, Stevie, as, as an Admiral, you can do whatever you want. So, yeah, that's true. Build me you can take over whatever right? ship you want and you, you can have your flag there and you can do it. Exactly. Well, as a well, I'm a big next generation fan, which means I'm a Trekker. People never get it right, Trekkie, Trekker. I don't know what the other generations are called, but that first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, where the Admiral was in on it with the, uh, you know, the aliens, the, yeah. the famous head exploding at the end of episode oh, yeah. one. Oh, yeah, Actually, it was a double one, wasn't it? A yeah, two-parter? it was a double. Yeah, it was. It was two parter. Yeah. Pretty good yeah, towards stuff. the end of season one, yeah, I think it was. It was just mm-hmm. trippy that where it was the most horrifying scene because the guy's face because it was a. Uh, the admiral, but then you had the guy right underneath of his adjutant, who was like it was like a, his lieutenant commander or commander or whatever, and that guy was the head like alien. And when they shot him with the phaser, you see his face melt off like Indiana Jones and then explode and all that stuff. That was I'm thinking, okay, this is not your dad's Star Trek. Kind of, <laughs> I was kind of in for that. That was cool, yeah. but yeah. You know. They have the, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but 
you know, Star Trek has had a lot of stop starts, especially uh, original series, Next Generation. It's good that CBS gave them a second chance, but I can't see that happening again after they what they did to Enterprise and the shift in society. I can't see there ever being outside of what I've seen, the very brief stuff at Discovery, which I I just dislike immensely. Stevie, <laughs> I, I thought I thought I thought Discovery was your favorite Star Trek series. If, if the ship blew up, yeah, it would automatically become my best. Uh, I just do not. I do not. Um, I understand the message of Star Trek. Well, like I said, we'll get into it. We're kind of jumping right in. I understand the message of Star Trek, and that's one of the things that attracted me to it so much. It still attracts me to that. Uh, you know, every episode that I watch does have a lesson of some sort. But, man, we, like I said in, on The Horseman, we are failing each and every test so far from 2020 on so mm -hmm. we are not living uh, you know in the star trek fashion of money is no longer important only pushing each other to be better is important we're nowhere near that yeah is that we're going the opposite direction of that that philosophy really so since you kind of mentioned it uh stevie what, what was the first memory of star trek for you when did you first see it and go man this is the thing i want to get into it's hard to say because I kind of went backwards. I, I obviously watched the movies first. Mm -hmm. Then I started watching the original series. I think, you know, it's funny is the one thing that sticks with me, obviously the con, you know, the Star Trek, the Wrath of Khan and him screaming con and me more of these stuff all throughout that was just amazing to watch. But you guys had posted um, Christopher Plummer had passed away recently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That scene I mean, that scene, it gives me chills to think about it. There are lots of scenes do, but that particular one, to have a Klingon be almost like a Shakespearean thespian with Christopher Plummer, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. still menacing and threatening, and just the tension on that clip that I watched that you guys posted, and just that one word from Kirk of fire, the way it just built to that one thing. Oh, yeah. Say what you will about Shatner, but to me and i'll put it in a way since people want you know listen to the horsemen and locker rooms that was comparing that era of star trek to the current era as it was say attitude area all all, all the way back to the old school nwa mm -hmm. to the watered down version that we see today just that one scene i could probably watch on repeat over and over again oh, from yeah. star trek Un undiscovered country is the one that i'm thinking of. yeah mm -hmm. and just that culminated into that and you know i went backwards from con to the original series but now it's more looking at each and every episode in a different lens of i guess moments much like we say we're wrestling these moments that i can catch in these episodes and we'll get the best of both worlds part one and two and then of course four lights is i believe chain of command one and two mm -hmm. i just watched future imperfect once again oh. up to Riker at the end just wow. like basically snapping on everybody yeah and these things are these things are not quite um long story short these things just do not exist in current crop of television no. and movies no definitely not and the whole thing with star trek six that where you're talking about the build-up where he yells fire where you to, to me the original series and especially those movies you just absolutely just love every crew member on there you love kirk you love bones spock you're drawn to them it's like they come to you they're like you know these are my friends you know and you just you just love it and 
at the end of Star Trek Six, I actually cried at the end of Star Trek Six because I'm like, this is it. This is we're never going to see the original crew back again. So yeah, yeah, it was the last time to see them all together. I mean, even in the moment, you know, Sulu's captain of the Excelsior now, which mm -hmm. is like a big deal, and yet even the moment he hears something happens with Enterprise and Kirk, he's just like. Tell them what we're, hey, tell them we're ready to help, whatever we want to do. Like, you know, there's that sense of just family almost yeah. in there. And like the whole scene was just great. And then Christopher Plummer, you know, being a uh, Shakespearean actor as that General Chang, like you said, uh, there was some meme worthy stuff in there, you know, just the different things he said, like at the end where they fire the rocket and then he, you know, the, it's come, or the proton, uh, photon torpedo is coming at him. He's like, to be or not to be. And he just turns his head and it, and it hits the ship right there, and and he kills it right there. Like mm -hmm. to me, that was if I could have gotten that as a like a clip to just that has how he ends, you know, his life. Just boom, right there. That would have been just almost picture yeah. perfect, you know. But he did such a great job with that, and uh, you know, uh, that was going to be part of our news. But I think it's important to talk about because he did pass Friday. He was one of those characters that I think made Star Trek almost believable in the sense of these characters were these villains. They're not, you know, just super over the top crazy. It's this guy, he didn't want things to change. And so he wanted things to be the same. And we see that a lot with our society. People are resistant to change. They're resistant to the things they don't want. And so they spew hate and they spew these other things. And and that's just causes divisiveness in our society. And it's so it's relatable. That Nothing was ever not relatable with these characters in Star Trek. And that's part of why I love it so much. It's it's what we could be, but also we see the realness of who we are. Well, think around, think about, I know we're skipping around like we, we said earlier, but the next generation episode where data had to pretty much prove he was not just property of Starfleet. Yeah. But he was actually a sentient, sentient being and they had the trial with an honest, really blunt discussion with the, the, the defense and the prosecution trying to prove the point. We can't, we can't do that today. Can yeah. you imagine like, you know, one side crying until they got their way instead of really trying to figure this out. And they had to have Riker, you know, be the person to prove that data was not a, you know, a mm. sentient being his, one yeah. of his best friends. Yeah. That's interesting stuff. You just can't, yeah. you can't cross those, those lines anymore. And like you said, we're not allowed to change. We got to come out of the womb instant experts. Nobody can grow or make mistakes or mm -hmm. do anything in order to to see that journey. And I think that really has traveled over to entertainment and sports and everything else. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. Yeah. So, so see, we got these cool. We got these. Uh, we got these cool iPads though from Star Trek. So that, yeah. that oh, evens yeah. it all out. The flip phones. We got the you know Zoom meetings. We got all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff now. That hey, uh, that's the one thing I think we can appreciate about it is you know it's based on science. It's not some magical force or we're not sure how you know hyperspace works. It oh, is. Oh, oh, wait a minute. So so these are not the droids that you're looking for that were when Star Wars uses fucking bullshit that they call the Force, which is like <laughs> non-existent. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to go that far, but you know, I'm just saying it's it's based on reality to where we it inspired some of our technological growth because it wasn't so far fetched that we could go. Mm -hmm. You know what? This is plausible, but then at the same time, too, how much is too much? And then we're going to talk about that, I think, a little bit later. But yeah. all right, so Stevie, uh, what is who? If you could pick one captain as your favorite, who 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 is it? Uh, it would have to definitely be Picard. 
Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something saying in the first two seasons, I didn't like the Picard character, but they stuck with it. They shifted, they rewrote, they made the character something uh, more than they ever would have been in the first two seasons. And, and yeah, Picard is somebody that obviously the character Picard translated into F Professor X with X-Men and mm -hmm. yeah. other things where he could have been. But um, Cisco, I can understand Cisco because he just wants to destroy a planet and kill people just for the sake of <laughs> proving a point. Yes. Uh, Yes, that is one of the most that's that, that comes out of left field right there. Um, mm -hmm. But I would also say that that Scott Bakula did an amazing job as Jonathan oh, yeah. Archer in taking it more of closer to our actual timeline where we're at. You mm -hmm. add warp, warp drive technology and other things, but you're also holding uh, a lot of xenophobia and a lot of things to do with nationalism and isolationism and all these different things that you can interpret and then trying to break through the the birth pangs of being one civilization and trying to transform into another one and he was the the linchpin in everything with that right you know and i know we're going to talk about it too but i can't believe they can't they gave, didn't give enterprise more than four seasons yeah it was a shame and i mean you think about it he's the standard for what every captain will be you know, that's, I think that was the other thing that Bakula is just, he's laying the groundwork because there was no, they weren't Starfleet per se. You know, they weren't, they didn't have the prime directive. They didn't have some of these things. And he's having to figure it out as he goes mm -hmm. and setting the standard for what Kirk and Picard and Cisco and Janeway and everybody we see after is is laying that foundation. And to to show that, to be the the captain but also show that little bit of vulnerability you know he he almost balanced picard and cisco in a way of the emotion but the stoicism between the two to set the character of, of what that what a captain should be for starfleet you know and I, I thought i really enjoyed that aspect of it but i'm a history guy so i liked that they went back to show hey this is what it was like when we had our first warp five ship we're really starting to go out we're mm -hmm. kind of getting out from under the vulcans we're doing our thing and growing from that to me, that was fascinating. I yeah. thought they could have done more. Um, I hated how they ended it, you know, with the episode and trying to tie it that back into TNG. Such, that was such bullshit. That was such yeah. bullshit. That was the worst. Yeah, they, it's like you have you you had you just got done with a great story arc with the, the uh, Zindi War and everything else going on with that, and that's how you end it with that bullshit of a fucking episode. Oh my god, I was I was sick. I was well, sick. Well, that was uh, you were talking about with Riker and Troy. Yeah, and yeah. What that meant to me, that was very much um, like Jr. You know, like the the Bobby died from Dallas. Like it was all yeah. a dream. Like, yeah. are you telling me four seasons of this were nothing more than them looking at the holodeck to see what happened? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I know they tied it into the uh, Pegasus episode where Riker was trying to decide if. Should I go against the Admiral who ordered me to secrecy or should I go to tell Picard? This is for a cloaking device, which is against the Treaty of Algernon, you know, all these kind of things. And now he was using it to make this decision. But you, then it but like you said, it makes you go back and go. So was all this bullshit? Was this all just kind of a story, you know, glorified holodeck? You know, yeah. why did you waste my time kind mm -hmm. of thing? That whole um, Bob Newhart, you know, the whole Newhart show was, oh, there was a it was a whole dream kind of thing. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, there's a there's all that aspect which you, you almost cut the legs out from other because you felt like you had to put that TNG rub on it per se. You know, mm -hmm. 
I don't know. It was just whatever. It would actually right. have been good to have the, you know, the temporal war that was going on, the temporal cold war to have mm -hmm. those, those time travel people looking back at that and trying to put a different spin on it. But right. you know, the network was done with it. And then you replaced it with the hot garbage known as discovery. So, well, yeah. <laughs> so obviously right. if, we, if we go into favorite series, discovery is not going to be your favorite no. series. So what is your favorite series? Is it going to be TNG? It's going to be TNG. And then it's going to, then it's going to be enterprise. And I like them both equally for different reasons. Um, I dislike how the enterprise ended. I think they should have gave it at least seven seasons. Mm -hmm. So you can bridge the gap and then there's a young Kirk and maybe you remake original series. Maybe yeah. you have another 20 years of between that and going to the next gen and bringing some deep space nine mm -hmm. in or Voyager or something. You know, I think, I think discovery just tried to check boxes. And it just mm -hmm. felt like that. We got one of these. We got one of these. Mm -hmm. um, the, the the male has to be dumb and the woman has to. I mean, the, what was the one? Like that one guy died in Discovery and the girl has, testifies he was an idiot. He was yeah. an yeah. idiot. That's yeah. why he died. Yeah. The, the short trek. Yeah. The with the, the triples. Yeah. How the triples got formed. I don't yeah. remember anybody in any other series using that word. True. Yeah. Any derogatory. It wouldn't, the society was too polite by then. The society wouldn't dare. You would debate it fiercely, but you mm -hmm. would not put someone else down and go to the lowest common time. I don't remember any series doing that, even Voyager. Mm -hmm. Or it wouldn't be any personal put downs or the red shirts never deserved to die. They never mm -hmm. even made mention. Now he was he was a rookie anyway, better him than me. Like mm -hmm. that's kind of like wouldn't that shake you in your boots if Kirk said that like just a red shirt. Yeah. What? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I can, I can definitely see, I mean, there's a lot of holes in discovery and, and Johnny knows how I feel about, you know, about the whole SJW bullshit that they try, that they try to like put through in this area. But to me, Stevie, um, I, I'm just like, just like, just like these wrestling marks, they'll watch raw and SmackDown and AW every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night, and be like, "I know it sucks, but it's wrestling, and I love wrestling." To me, it's 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 track. I, I hate to say it's track. I'm just such a mark for it. I just I just watch it. And well, if they were putting on a network TV or on free TV, it'd be one thing. But you're charging a premium with CBS. Exactly. Not that I know a guy named Hacker. I mean, so I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't worry about paying don't, for. Don't, it. don't pay for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, but, which actually, yeah. you know, they did season one of Discovery um, this past January. They released it, mm -hmm. and it got less than a one-point rating for the entire run that they did. They put all thirteen seasons. So, it does that does that because that it was it was on a Thursday night at like eight o'clock or whatever Central Time. I don't it used know, to be the prime time with Seinfeld yeah. and all those yeah. shows. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so the question becomes: Is it because you know nobody's interested in Trek, or is it because it was so bad? You know, it was. You know, I don't know because usually if you tell a Star Trek people people that hey, this is going to be on free TV on CBS, people are going to show up on a Thursday night to watch yeah. and 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 to have less than a one rating. I mean, that to me, I think it was like an eight or seven nine is what it was. I think on average. And so to have that, is that, you know, does that mean that we are in decline as far as Trek fans go, or is it the material itself? You know, I don't know. 
Well, he just answered that. He said he watched it no matter what because he's a Trek fan. I think they're yeah. still pretty strong. I think the product is brutal. They should try to cross-promote or do like a crossover with Batwoman. That should be the dream. Oh, God. Oh, oh, my God. Don't even give me. Oh, Jesus. No, 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 no. We can't. But, oh. you know, they are. So that's one of the things they're doing this Paramount. They're going from CBS All Access to Paramount, you know, Plus, I think is what they're calling it. And they're going to have. You know, they're doing all these crossover commercials right now where they got Discovery and they got Pike with Strange New Worlds meeting with all these different characters from MTV and um, CBS Live Sports and things like that. And so, you know, with the hope, I guess, is that we're going to get these people to come onto our platform and watch this way. But I guess the question that also becomes, too, are we are we content with not watching free TV anymore? Are people just content paying that money for streaming TV? You know, because yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I sat down and watched network TV and I have it for free and I don't have cable. I don't have mm -hmm. a ton of streaming services because I can't afford it. I just watch what I can when I can on my on YouTube or for free or whatever I can get for free at the time because mm -hmm. that's the convenience factor of me. I don't have time to go seven o'clock. Well, I might be doing other things after work chores and different things so I can just go to my iPad and watch whenever. So is is TV itself as far as the networks and the free TV app model? Is it dying? You know, it might be because, like I said before, I could go on YouTube and watch moments in movies and relive those for free over and over again. Mm -hmm. And yeah, with the internet, you can do that. And you know, obviously, you can have a you know have an antenna and be able to watch network TV for free for now. Who knows when they're gonna, you know, they haven't figured that out yet. How they can how they can shut that frequency down. But I think, too, we got so much going on in the world that people want to disconnect. And that's what Star Trek used to do. Yeah. It used to be an escape. That's what wrestling used to be, an escape from that. But now that it's all looking the same under the same formula and you can see they're checking boxes and it's SJW type stuff, virtue signaling, you're like, let me just shut it all off because this is I, I see it enough every day in my everyday mm -hmm. life. I don't I, I think that's a big part of it too. Mm -hmm. And I think people are, are following Ben and doing the th thing he does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I all right. Oh, go ahead. No, I actually, the cable now, I was talking to a couple friends of mine that still pay for cable. It's like $200 a month for cable. Mm -hmm. It's like ridiculous. Well, I just get internet and they're raising the prices on that. But if you have internet with no data cap, like I have on spectrum, you get sling TV for 25 bucks and, and still that's not cheap, but mm -hmm. that's what we do. Mm -hmm. And we're slowly, but surely within it's something on the other end. Discovery plus is taking all the shows off of cable and making you pay five bucks a month, but still get ads seven bucks a month yeah. with no ads. So the Hulu type of thing, people are going to get turned off by it. people yeah. are going to say, I don't, I don't need to watch fixer up or that bad. Yeah. I don't need to watch, you know, yeah. uh, whatever that hometown show is. My wife watches whatever it is. But I, I think people are waking up to the fact that I can just go on YouTube and I, I, there's a whole new set of media. And there might be mm. like on, on YouTube once in a while. What's the name of it? There's two Star Trek fan made movies that are excellent. Oh, and uh, an XR is one. Um, it's like. Yeah, about an hour and a half. Legends and something. It actually has yeah, the yeah. guy who was the captain on the original series that was yes. the Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. And he does an amazing job. And it's yeah. an hour and a half and gives yeah. you a whole new look at the Star Trek universe. So if you want your Star Trek itch that you can't get on your movie clips, 
there's two or three movies up there that you can see. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The guy who plays John Harriman in the in the Generations, who was the Enterprise B captain. Generation, Generations, sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, you're good. And so, uh, and it's it's a really good one. And then they have this. It's uh, an XR. It's like the Klingon War thing, where mm-hmm. you had the guy who got they built the first kind of warship, the Ares, and you know, and as Garth of uh, the guy who was in the original series who went ended up going crazy on the on the planet. Uh, Garth of uh, Inzar, I think, is what it is. Um, it's his story of him in the Klingon War and how he took that Ares ship and did. And they said he fought like a Klingon. They got guys. They've got high quality actors. Yeah, good movie. actors. Mm-hmm. They got the guy who played uh, Martok in there uh, mm-hmm. on the show. They got um, the guy, one of the guys from uh, Battlestar Enterprise. Galactica. Yeah, Enterprise or, too. The, the vault who played the. Oh God, what was the he name? Played, of the he Vulcan. played the Vulcan. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the Vulcan. About. Yeah. They got some high quality people and some mm-hmm. high quality production and yeah. uh, effects. And they got sued too, didn't they? Oh, oh yeah. they got sued big time. You know, you can't. Yeah. You, you really have to search to find it. That's the problem is because they, you know, CBS sued them so bad over it. Um, but you know, if you want to watch stuff like that, they you freeze. can find that kind of stuff. You know, and then that's the crazy part is see because they did such a good job. CBS said, "No, nah, you can't do it." As a content creator, when you see someone make something as good a production as this. Since you're a content creator, how does that affect you when you make stuff? Uh, does it affect you, or do you just go, "I'm just going to make my stuff," and then to be damn with it? Well, I have, yeah, I've had to dance around uh, different things. Like we were talking off camera, I just recorded the full review of Switcher Studio, which is an iOS iOS based Switcher professional, like a TriCaster type thing. And mm-hmm. you being in the church, John, yeah. you've probably seen those setups. Oh I yeah, have that on an iPad with a bunch of iPhones or even some DSLRs is an amazing portable minimalistic type setup. But you know, with the YouTube channel and my content creation and everything I've done, I've seen, I've had to navigate and some stuff has been like the morning warm up. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. It used to stream live 6am five days a week. Yeah. It got mm-hmm. taken down because I was losing thousands of subscribers. It would take two days to three days for it to, to go like populate in my upload feed and it constantly got demonetized for talking about sensitive issues, for hate speech, for all these things that you, well, you can say whatever you want, but it's, I'm talking about God. I'm talking about things I believe in. I'm talking about other things. And the, the analogy is with these people that made the Star Trek thing. Don't you realize that this actually puts your brand in a more positive light where people would subscribe to CBS All Access? Yeah. People would buy Best of Both Worlds Part 1 and 2, which is they sell that. It's not part of the free Prime thing. Right. But you're so selfish in trying to think you're protecting the intellectual property that you won't allow true fans who want to, who spent their own money to make these fan movies, you won't allow them to scratch that itch. Mm hmm. I'm just saying like YouTube's the same way and YouTube will shadow ban those movies mm-hmm. because CBS and Paramount said so. CBS and Paramount, rather than hiring a person that made a movie better than half of their Star Trek movies, to say, make a movie like that for us. Yeah. No, we're going to completely shut you down and make you say, I'm done being a Star Trek fan. I'm never even, I'm never tweeting another thing. I'm never saying anything. I'm mm-hmm. never not watching another show. And yeah. I wouldn't blame them if they did that. Yeah, yeah, no, I wouldn't either. So, 
Let's talk about something more positive. All right. So, Stevie, there's been <laughs> lots right, of, 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 of bridge crew that I have gotta, been. I so. got to kind of go between this and the horseman and the locker room type stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to total line. No, no, we're good. We're good. That's the we're whole good. point. That's why we want you because we want that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But, all right. So, who's your favorite bridge crew character? So, anybody of any bridge crew, any series, someone you're like, okay, I want that guy on my bridge. Who is it? That's a tough one. I'd have to say Riker. Really? I like okay. the, I like the, now the, here we go again with learning a lesson from Star Trek, just like with Spock with Kirk and then not so much to Paul with Archer because that felt so spiteful being the number mm-hmm. one and just mm-hmm. always being the buzzkill for everything Archer ever wanted to do. Riker had the right amount of balance and Starfleet basically said something that can't happen today. This guy is your number one. He's there to basically give you alternative solutions. And he's also there to kind of call you out when your decision has holes in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically mm-hmm. the conscience, he the, the number one spot is the fail safe mm-hmm. for the starship, yeah. for the Starfleet, for the captain. It actually, he probably saves more lives having that second voice with Riker there. So that's the right. way I look at that. Yeah, no, that's, and that's a good point because there have been many times where you see Riker where he says, I'm here to speak about the crew and the safety of the crew. And, you know, you, you hear that uh, multiple times when he questions the decision of, a, of Jean-Luc Picard. And it's like, well, why are we doing that? I got I to think of the safety of the crew because we see that Picard doesn't deal with the crew. Riker's the one who deals with department heads or, mm-hmm. or conflict resolution between crew members and things like that. He's almost doing the nitty gritty. He's in the trenches with a lot of the stuff. Compared to Picard, who's who's the thirty thousand foot view guy who sees the bigger picture and has to deal with admirals and and mm-hmm. ship development, and so that makes sense in a way. Um, you know, me personally, I'm a Wharf guy because we see Wharf go from you know where he was as an ensign all the way working up to DS nine, mm-hmm. um, being that lieutenant commander and commander and 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 how he grows in the role. He doesn't stay one dimensional as just the security guy, the big evil guy. He he works his way up to command and. And and becomes, I think, a more well-rounded um, leader in that aspect from where he comes from. So if yeah. it's me, I'm putting Worf on my crew. He's my guy because um, you know, first Klingon ever to serve in Star Trek gives a unique perspective from the Klingon point of view on a lot of things. But at the same time, he grew so much as a leader um, from his time in TNG to DS9, and uh, I think made him a richer character for it. I'll take Spock. <laughs> you would take Spock. I would take Spock. You would take Just, Spock. You know, well, I mean, Spock is Spock. What, what, yeah, what, yeah. All right. So, uh, favorite well, you movie? the tar pit monster oh. would uh, go to Discovery and take care of that problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, my God. The tar pit monster would be the biggest baby face in Stevie's eyes. Oh, don't, yeah. Don't you think that the, the whole crew should fall into that garden bed on that planet where you get executed for going over the line? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's crew. a yeah. There's there's a few crew members of Discovery that kind of. Don't you think that. you should send them on a one way trip to the Borg cube? That yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. At what point are the Borg going to come in? You know? Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, hey, so real quick, how did you feel when they when they introduced the Borg on Enterprise, Stevie? How, did you feel like it made sense? Do you feel like they were forcing a little bit? I mean, I feel like it was forced. I feel like it was forced because I don't know why the Borg. The Borg never seems to, they mentioned the Borg assimilating primitive planets, 
but it seems like they they assimilate, they assimilate technology. So I think with going to warp five or after Zephyr and Cochran discovered warp drive, I don't think it would have been enough for us them to even assimilate us. Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of forced. Yeah, you know, I mean, they were I, trying to squeeze all the they're trying to get buzzwords in to make moments mm-hmm. and memorable things to make you remember Enterprise because they yeah. knew it's like Gotham. We had to throw everything the last two seasons and really just mm-hmm. like borderline lawsuit type stuff to try to make the show good. Right. Yeah. You know. And I mean, I understand the whole. Pre- oh well. You know that was in the past, and so with it, this it crashed and it landed in Antarctica. So. You know, but I like you said, it felt almost forced, you know, for that reason of mm-hmm. we've got Borg and how's Archer going to deal with it? And then it's like, then why is Picard shocked by the Borg in TNG if the Archer, the first captain, the person of the Enterprise had dealt with him? Why is he surprised by the Borg when Q introduces him in the very first episode? And why does he not understand what they are? You know, because we know Star Trek keeps records. We know they keep things that goes way back. So I struggled with that one a little bit on, on that. Canon but. issues. There's always issues with Canon. There always is. Yeah. Right, because, so, because, so. because you, because you had, because you had, you know, enterprise talk about, you had next gen talk about the Borg, but then it seems right. You know, they want to try to put the TNG rub on it. So it's like, Oh, let's introduce the Borg now. And now I'll tell you it fucks up the timeline. Yeah. And that's what drives Star Trek fans crazy. Yeah. All right, favorite movie. Which of the which of uh, and we can include if you want to include the three with uh, the new kids, um, uh, as, along with the other ones. Which of which of the movies are your favorite? Well, the easy one is Rathacon. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. easy one. Um, Next generation. I have to say that's the one where the episodic TV just far outclassed the movies. Mm-hmm. You can't squeeze. That's where Star Trek in general is a is an episodic brand you need time to 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 get to know these characters and care mm-hmm. about them that's why a lot of the movies I, I actually don't mind star trek and star trek in the darkness with the new crew i don't mind it because i understand it, they juxtaposed everything and it kind of just like you know I'm sure that's not the way it happened, but at least it still stood out a little bit to me. And of course, special effects and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh, stood out. The original motion picture is the worst one of them all. Oh, the, come on! A, beauty shots of the Enterprise for oh, no freaking reason. Because it's dude. the most beautiful ship ever, Stevie. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. That, that, dude, you just got chokeslammed twice by no, guests. No, no. Twice. That was not, not chokeslammed. That was a Stevie kick. Right, that was a Stevie kick, yes. Right Lance, to the drill. Lance had the same exact worst, One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh. It was slow. It was boring. And it was just... I could create better Enterprise shots on my new MacBook Air base model than what they have today. Man. Um, but I would have to go if it was... If it was uh, next generation, I I do believe the first contact's not bad because it mm-hmm. does introduce the prime directive. But once again, I would want to see more. I want to see an entire season of these people and mm-hmm. how things happen. Yeah. yeah, I wish the model existed where if you could pay these people enough money that every other year you'd make a movie, but you would have two seasons of episodes between movies mm-hmm. and it would yeah. just be continuity on top of continuity. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be, but that would be a lot of money too. I mean, who has that kind of money? Yeah, but Star know? Trek makes money, and they're still making money off the original series. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, all right. So favorite alien species can't be a human. What is it going to be? You're going to be surprised about this, but I believe, um, geez, I, I forget. I always forget the species in Voyager. Is it 7294? <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, yes. A, A479, yeah. The A479. 479 because they're so mysterious. Yeah. The other one, believe it or not, are the Zindi from Enterprise. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah that was. was I think, yeah. what they were trying to do, and it really did have a lot of, like I said before, there's a lot of xenophobic, there's a lot of racist, there's a lot of nationalistic and isolationist type thing. Actually, Enterprise has an episode about that, mm -hmm. you know, not the people like that. So there's always the, these walls put up to not let people try to be the best they can be. And it's very metaphoric with that. And Zindi kind of represent that too, because they know the Archer, if we let Archer be what he can be, we're, we're screwed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then also too, though, in that the same aspect, that's what somebody was telling them and not what was actually the truth, because we know that, the Zindi were being told by this person, if you let Archer and Earth become what they are, you're going to get screwed. So when propaganda. In propaganda. There you go. So false fake news, false narratives, mm -hmm. things along those lines. And then when in all actuality, we know that uh, what happens is, you know, they become part of the Federation. They become part of the things that happen because Archer isn't about division. It's about coming together. And we see that later on. And so, um, you know, I think there's that other aspect of it we see with the the importance of getting both sides of the story and, and understanding the truth of the matter rather than just hearing one side and going, okay, we're going to do this. And we see even in the species of the Zindi, you've got some people who are questioning, and then you got your hardliners. you got the bugs and the reptiles who are hardlining it where, no, nope, this is what this guy says, so this is what we're going to do. And then you've got everybody else who's just like, eh, I'm not so sure kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting dichotomy in even though they all come from a same kind of gene seed, but split off differently, there's still that kind of dichotomy that we see in our society today, where there are some people like us who we think we don't hear the first thing we go, we go, okay, well, let me go look at that and see what that really is. And then there's other people who just go, well, I heard it on the news, so it's real. I saw it on the internet, it's real. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I mean, I don't, I got people on my internet feed, like my mom or my aunts, they're like, oh, look, this is real. It's like, I realize this isn't real, right? You know, it's fake, you know, and then I link the articles to it and they're like, oh, you know, because I mean? they don't take time to think and research. So, mm -hmm. you know, can't wait for the vaccine episode on Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's coming next season. That's well, coming. But, you know, that's interesting. There, there have been episodes about that kind of stuff, you know, yeah, where, you know, uh, DS9 had the phage, you know, where uh, the, uh, or no, no that was, was, that was Voyager. Voyager. Yeah, but DS9 had the deal where the the founding founders put that um, whatever the disease was yeah. uh, that had the red spots all over, and that Bashir just took years and years. He would he just kept trying to fix. Um, what and a, what you know, how do we fix that? Yeah. You know, you also too. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, John. No, I was just going to say the uh, Mark of Gideon. Yeah, the, from the original series this is one of the episodes I did solo before before I had the best co-host in 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 the business. Helping me out with stuff. Uh, I mean that that right there, where basically they use it for population control. Yeah, yeah. That that episode I watched episode again. It sent chills down my spine. Oh yeah, and then, but then there's also another the TOS episode where they're caught in the Tholian web and mm -hmm. they get the 
uh, they're having these effects happen to them. And then so what happens is McCoy figures out a thing, but it's something that's deadly, but not yeah. enough. You know, it's just enough. If you take just enough, it's going to counteract the effects. But if you take too much, it's deadly. And you yeah. see Spock going, should I take this or not? There's the moment of hesitation of should I drink this? You know, he gives it to Kirk. He gives Bones drink it and they're drinking it. And, you know, Bones almost has this look of like, all right, are you going to drink it? Because I'm going to drink it if you drink it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're even seeing that now, like where people are like, ooh, the vaccine, oh, should I take it or not? Um, first of all, I ain't taking shit that you've, you know, messed with something's DNA and you haven't tested it. Uh, no. So basically everybody, if Spock was on Twitter, they'd all be calling him an anti-vaxxer right now. Yeah, they would be calling him an anti-vaxxer. I mean, I'll take it if it's just like a flu vaccine, but I ain't taking shit that you just changed the DNA on and have no testing and just going, oh, we're not going to worry about the long-term effects. Yeah, if you know what I mean, people died from the flu shots too <laughs> you probably well, I wouldn't know. take that either. I know which is why I don't take the flu shot. Mm -hmm. I don't do that either. The last either. the the last time I got a flu shot, I was sick for three days. I had a hundred I had like a hundred degree hundred and one degree temperature and it was just it was awful. I was like fuck this. I said I'd rather get the flu than deal with this vaccine. And 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 I work with the public every day. So I handle money. I see people all the time and I'm good. So yeah. I haven't I haven't gotten the flu in a while. Actually, this was the first year where I really didn't get like really, really sick. So, isn't that something? It shocker. is something. It shocker. Is shocker. Shocker. It is shocker. All right. So, Stevie, I don't know about you, but do you have any kind of favorite Trek merch that you have? Is there anything that you own that you're just like, this is my number one thing? I have a new piece. It's a Christmas tree topper that a generous person just happened to give me this year. That is the Enterprise Christmas tree topper that, you know, is super awesome. Um, but that's mine because I don't have a ton of merch because I'm a minimalist and I don't keep a ton of stuff. Do you have any kind of Trek merch that's like your number one thing that you're most proud of? I actually had, and I gave it to somebody because they could use it a lot better, was the tri-dimensional chess set. <gasps> I had oh, that. Yeah. And I also have in here the original technical manual. Oh, my God. From seven, from the 70s. Not, I mean, they made a bunch of them. Uh, I do have some cards and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But like I said, we're doing minimalism so we are really trying to be very intentional with our stuff like even right down to um we that star trek type mentality of what you need and all that stuff to, to say that but you know even the pictures i look at the, from wrestling and stuff i already knew i was there and all that stuff it's a completely different feeling so like knowing that the tri-dimensional chest said looks cool it's there but somebody that could use it it's very much a makes me feel better knowing mm -hmm. that it's getting some use. That's mm -hmm. probably the best one I've seen. Also, I told you guys about the Locutus statue at the Star yeah, Trek experience right. in Vegas, which side note, not just because I wanted to, I social distance, by the way, long before COVID. So <laughs> every, all the boys from WWE would stay at this particular hotel. I would drive on as far away from that hotel as I could, which in Vegas was the Star Trek experience at the Hilton. Right, And I just used to go to Quark's Bar. I used to hang oh, cool. out. I was actually uh, at someone's wedding on the bridge of the Enterprise. Yeah, it was pretty cool, man. That's, I liked, cool. that's where I stayed when we did TV and house shows in Vegas. But Ooh. I wanted to buy the Lakita statue, which was 3500 bucks back then. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. But now looking at it, I was like, wow, that probably would be worth like thirty grand right now. Oh, yeah. Because they only made like five of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Or they wow. lied, or they were lying. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> but it was life size. It was literally the size of me. Wow. In a glass thing with the base 
and the eye had the red uh the red laser thing wow 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 could you imagine having that in your house right now or you would Dude, that would scare the, the shit night. out of me yeah. <laughs> wake up in the middle of the night and be like yeah. oh yeah yeah okay that, oh right. wait a minute it's just it's just look the cute as a board don't <laughs> worry about it a, yeah exactly so all right so let's let's do this let's eat you kind of mentioned it, but let's officially tell everybody your favorite episodes that you've watched in Star Trek. And then we're going to kind of discuss that, those episodes and kind of go deep on them a little bit and, and why it's your favorite. So what, what episodes are they? I definitely have to say that number one is best of both worlds, part one and two, because it was a true cliffhanger at the end of one season. It's picked yeah. it up the next one. And you didn't, you didn't have Netflix. You couldn't just, you had to yeah. really, you had to wait till September to watch that. Yeah. Um, Chain of Command is the one with four lights, I believe. I Sometimes I mix them up. That's also part one and part two mm -hmm. uh, with that. There are elements of that. The, the best of both worlds I love because it introduced the Borg. There was a right mix of action, investigation, trying to fix detective work, trying to figure out what these things are, knowing that you just started the new chapter and the Borg are here to stay. They're, mm -hmm. they're not going away. Um, and dare I say, they probably saved the Star Trek franchise right then and there. Yeah. yeah. As far as movies and TV shows, Jenny Command's a little more boring because you have a, uh, uh, you know, Captain Jellico yeah. going in there just to be a jerk for the sake of being a jerk. There was no rhyme or reason for why he did the things he did. It was just like the the new Doctor that replaced Crusher. Yeah. Just seemed like she was just a she was just said the opposite for the sake of saying the mm -hmm. opposite. Yeah. Um, what is the other one? I forget the name of the one where Cisco wanted to destroy an entire planet and kill everybody. But I know, was, <laughs> but that, yeah, which he did. That was the one where he he used the tri uh, tricobalt uh, device on the atmosphere because he was going after Eddington, and mm -hmm. Eddington wouldn't put himself up, and so he destroyed a Maquis planet because they had done so in retaliation. And he's been so fed up at chasing Eddington and Eddington not getting his way because he broke his oath. And I think part of it too was that Cisco had invested so much into him, and then yeah. he turned around and joined the Maquis, and you betrayed him, and so he just harped on this oath aspect. But really, he hurt Cisco, and Cisco is not an involved human. He's he he's passionate and he's feeling, and so he's like, "All right, you destroyed this planet, so I'm going to do the same thing to you, and I'm going to keep doing it until you turn yourself in." You know, and that that was the whole purpose for that. Uh, yeah, I'll do it because you know, like like Hugh says. When Q meets Cisco and Cisco punches him in the face, you're not Picard, and he's like, "No, I'm not. I'm my old man." You know, we see that, and the, uh, you know, that's I think um, I, that's why I like Cisco because he he was principled, but he was not afraid to get his hands dirty. In the pale moonlight, you see that where he does anything he can to get the Romulans into the the war to try to help save the war from the Dominion, and he goes as dirty as you can get. You know, even though he pretended like he didn't know, he really knew. And he knew he would, and he says, I'd do it again. You know, I'd, you know, I'd kill a man. I'd do the things I did and cheat and steal just to make it happen because I'd do it again. You know, it was so good for that. So those, those are my, those are my favorites and along those lines, but you know, we're not talking about my favorites. We're talking about your favorites. So yeah, that would be it I, on the enterprise. And this is where it kind of mixes together. Some stuff is more memorable, but I remember the episode of Star Trek Enterprise, and this is the very beginning. I don't know if it's Broken Bow Part 2 or not. I'm not sure. It was where they had to go after. They dis They basically, the weapon pretty much just shot and destroyed half of Florida. They just went down oh, yeah. 
million people dead in Florida. And then they had to go. And that was their journey to leave the mm -hmm. earth. I think that was broken bow part two. That was broken bow part two is the pilot is the second half of the pilot. Was the Klingon, with, with, with the Klingon, the Klingon, the tiny the Lister. That was senior. Yeah. Tiny Lister was the Klingon there. Um, that was the start of season four and I don't remember the name of it, but yes, they, they ran the season four. Okay. Yeah. They yeah. ran the, the Zindi weapon ran the trough down because it affected trip because his sister died. 7 million people died in Florida. He was from Florida. His sister died. They, they showed the trench. Him and Archer went to that trench at the end of that. And then they're, this is why they're going into the Expanse and going after the Zindi for season two uh, or season four and into that with the part two. Better memory than me. The yeah. CT kicks in. But that's when <laughs> Star Trek, that's when Niner Prize really started to get good. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that's the thing. Unfortunately, with Enterprise is if you look at every series, it takes that first season or two is them getting their feet under them. And then once they start getting it, then it really starts to build. DS9, yeah. first two seasons weren't that great. Three mm -hmm. on is really the less yeah. hair Cisco gets, the better Cisco gets to me. You know, I mean, it's just it gets more and more. Um, and you got to These are shows that you have to let build. Um, and, and unfortunately, we're not in a society anymore where we're patient like that. We're not going to let these things build and go forward and we're going to let them learn and go. No, if you're not doing it by season one, you're done. You know, and, yeah. and I think that that's the advantage some of these shows had TNG. You know, the, of course, you had the fans who try, mm -hmm. fought to keep it on board. Uh, original series fans mm -hmm. for the first fans to write in to save a show for the third season. Um, you know, TNG, same thing. They they fans kept the show alive and to where they're able to do the things they needed yeah. to uh, DS9, it, it fit between uh, TNG and Voyager, and so to where towards the end, they actually started to do a serialized show for the first time ever for Star Trek because they were able to do their own thing. They were making money. They weren't making waves, mm -hmm. and they had Voyager to worry about, so they said, all right, you guys are doing great. Do your thing. Yeah. You know. So that's the thing is if you give them a long enough time, they're going to do a good thing, and that's where Enterprise, I man, I just it made me so mad because yeah. – they were they just were hitting their stride. It was getting really good. Yep. And then you cut the legs out from under them and because you didn't want to be patient. I know next gen when when they when they uh tapped Patrick Stewart to play Picard and he was reading the scripts, he's like he goes he goes, This thing's gonna last one season. He 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 basically lived out of a suitcase because he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go back home to like England at any any moment now. But then after the first two seasons, you know. CBS gave them another chance to, you know, be like, okay, listen, if you don't make it by your third season, that's it. Third season came, boom, they were off to the races after that. But a lot of the storylines in the first two seasons, b believe it or not, was because Gene Roddenberry was kind of going a little crazy. And yeah, no, seriously, because well, I've watched that's on them. Amazon Prime. It's a great documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Roddenberry. Yeah, Ronber. Yeah, plus he, plus he was banging all his secretaries. Oh yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah everybody, yeah. everyone thinks that he's like this. He's like this, like godlike figure. Hey. He could do, he could do no wrong. Saint, when he really, in reality, he was kind of a piece of crap. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he really was. All right, so let's let's talk about best of both worlds, part one and two. That's your favorite. Um, that's your number one. Let's let's go into that. Um, as you said, this is the beginning where we see the Borg make their official entry into um, into the I guess Federation space. You know, we know that 
the Enterprise in far in the Farpoint, you know, uh, episode in in the pilot, they get kicked over to the Delta Quadrant. They they kind of because of Q. There you go, mm -hmm. you know, that moment right there, and then it comes back. So because of what happened, the Borg basically just said, "All right, fine, we're going to just slog our way to make it there to the Federation." They get there. And now it hits the road. So give us what what is it? First part, how how is it that you you know where, where you want to go with this with Stevie? Well, off of what you said, the fact that this entire universe, the like Voyager is built on the Delta quadrant. So you can build an entire series off that. People don't mm -hmm. write shows like that anymore. Yeah. They don't think that way. And there's no imagination of, hey, we did that and then that spun off into this. But on the show, and it gives me a little bit of chills because we can watch all the gory horror movies that we want and things are supposed to be jump scares. Mm -hmm. But just think about it as, as humanity, as, as Picard did, that, oh, my God, we literally just opened up Pandora's box. This, this race knows who we are mm -hmm. and the terror that as long as they take to get here, they're going to get here. What can, we don't even know how to prepare. Mm -hmm. That's a... Right, the encounter at Farpoint is a great episode as well with Q and all these different things. But that one thing of, my God, we got to put a pin in this because we're going to have to deal with this someday. That's people's biggest fear in general. Yeah. Like kicking the can down the road. And then this episode brings it all back around that this is terrifying. These are people that not only they don't kill you, they assimilate you. Mm -hmm. You're, you're like a zombie. You're walking mm -hmm. dead. You're not, you may be alive enough to realize that you're being tortured by being a Borg. Think about all the things. If you really think deeply about the terror that you could think in that, that sort of imagine aliens coming down and wanting to assimilate us, mm -hmm. but we know they're 20 years away. Yeah. And what, mm -hmm. how we can't move fast enough and we don't even know what to do to counter what they're going to do. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. sort of what makes these two episodes and they're different, but, but that backstory of they're coming. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you better yeah. get ready. Yeah. And then, you know, that's the interesting because we see the, the enterprise response to a distress call of colony that's just gone. And we've seen it before with the crystal entity, you know, mm -hmm. which we saw in a, a few different episodes before. And so at first you're thinking, okay, this is what happened. The crystal entity came, messed up another, um, you know, colony or whatever. But then we find out that they, Figure out, figure out that it's actually the Borg. Mm -hmm. and the Borg are here on the outskirts, and that's when Admiral Hanson shows up, and he's got Lieutenant Commander Shelby, who's supposed to be the Borg expert. You know, they've been trying to figure out things based off of the Enterprise's first encounter of things that they could do to counteract the Borg and things like that. But in all actuality, they don't know because know. at the end of the day, they haven't experienced the Borg since the Enterprise's encounter. Um, you know, what three years before, and so now it's like. Okay, well, we think we can do these things, but you know, she comes off as this kind of, you know, she knows what she's doing. She, she oh, these are going to work. These kind of things, and you know, making Riker kind of look bad a little bit too. You know, um, you know, we see there's a tension between the two of them because it's almost like she's gunning for Riker's job in mm -hmm. a way, and uh, you know, we can see that tension in that. You know, it's very interesting that you know she gets she gets left on board so that they can try to figure out what they're going to do against the board and then now you've got this tension between Riker and this woman who's come on who's supposed to be the expert but yet at the same time is kind of overstepping her bounds and going around Riker instead of through him with the regular mm -hmm. chain of command because she's the know-it-all 
you know? And so it is very interesting in that aspect because we see there's the, like you said, the underlying thread of the board, but we also see the tension it causes between people on the ship because now they know it's about to happen. The thing that we could not stop three years ago is here. And are we ready for it or not? You know, I think that's something we deal with in life is in general, we, we know we have to do things, we put them off, and then when it's time to actually do it, are we ready for it? Can we handle it? You know, um, and that's that's the scary part. You know, we, we don't know if we can ever handle it. And we, we, we probably could, but we just... We, I don't know about that. But it depends. <laughs> you know, it depends on what it is. I mean, I mean, I couldn't wrestle, but, you know... Uh, people, but people were fighting over toilet paper less than six months. True. Ago. You're true. right. See. You are right, you know. Yeah. So, but, you know, then there's... There's that aspect of it as well. Could you imagine if the Borg showed up right now? You know, they would probably we, like, we'd all be fucked. <laughs> or they'd be like, we'd all yeah, be fucked. Never mind. Well, I think that's the problem with humanity, though. I, I would make the joke on the horseman all the time. Full disclosure has happened already multiple yeah. times. And the yeah. Pentagon was the one that did full disclosure from Tic Tac UFO, the famous 2004 one. People saying they're among us. Robert Bigelow, who basically said they've been here. They're here now on a 60 mm-hmm. Minutes interview. We we haven't gotten the 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 Vulcans landing in Montana for Zephyr and Cochrane, but guess what? Even if they landed right in front of us, be like, oh, that's cool. What are the Kardashians doing? Exactly. We are such we are such uh, we're regressing. We're basically going into idiocracy with Terry Crews as our president and pouring Gatorade on the crops. Yeah, that's I have no faith in that. I mean, I, I'm glad I I'm convinced in a lot of ways that. It, Alien civilizations that are far beyond whatever, unless they're evil. If the evil Borg-like ones right. find us, we're going to know soon enough. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are uh, higher beings or more intelligent or further advanced, like, well, everything that new comes along, they try and kill. So let's just stay away. Yeah, <laughs> That's probably not a good idea. And if they yeah. try to kill each other, we'll shut their nukes down like we did before. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Vulcans won't show up, you know. No, the Vulcans will get shot. Didn't they do? Well, the dark. Well, let's talk Mar- about Mirror Universe. Yes. yes. They did yes. shoot them and kill them. And that's yeah, more realistic yeah. than anything. Those are mm-hmm. those are two of the most uncomfortable favorite episodes that I have. I don't really like to watch them, but if it's on, I'm going to watch it. Right. But that opening right there, shoot them, get them, they kill them, and mm-hmm. they become a, they become a um, an empire. Mm-hmm. Right. Empire, so imagine yeah. that. That's what I think would happen. Only someone would be like, oh, that's great. Brush it off and murder all the stupid humans. Yeah. 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 You know, and and so, you know, the, the thing about this episode is we see the, the Enterprise first encounter the board because they said a ship has an encounter with a strange square like ship and then mm-hmm. abruptly ends. So then they go to their. Um, to, to face the board for the first time in what three or four years and uh, three years, I think it was four years to, I mean, cause it's at the end of season three, beginning of season four um, it, it's their first experience. So Shelby is like, just kind of working around Riker telling people do this, do this, do this kind of these uh, different ideas. We see that it begins to work, but it doesn't quite all the way because, you know, parts of the hull get cut out. Um, Picard eventually gets, they want Picard. They want to use him as the li- liaison, per se, I guess, as you would call it. And um, he says no. And then so they just said, fine, we'll just take him anyway. You know, yeah. screw you guys. We're going to take him and go home. And so they do that. And we see just that, 
you know, the abject fear of everybody because they did all these things and nothing worked. They adapted. They they made those changes. And I mean, to me, that was the scary moment. And Picard's gone. And you're like, holy cow, they just took the captain. Like, what yeah. does this mean? And then they left it as a cliffhanger. <laughs> you know, you, you ended season three that way. I remember when I watched this, I think it was in high school or college and somewhere in that phrase of in between high school and college. And they took Picard, and then now you had to wait all summer for the next episode. I'm going, son, what's what's gonna happen? <laughs> the most tense I think I've ever been in for an entire summer of what's gonna happen to Jean-Luc Picard. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it was so good. It's great. Story. Today you couldn't do that. No, you know? no, yeah, you know? no, no, so. no way. Now uh, with the uh, now with now now with the now with everyone wanting instant gratification at that yeah. moment, mm -hmm. no, it just yeah wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. So how how was that was that a big factor for you in, in liking things, Stevie? Was the that huge cliffhanger where you didn't know what Picard was going to do? Did you watch it originally back in ninety four ninety five somewhere in there? Yeah, I was watching it then. Uh, it made me care about them. It yeah. made me realize that I care about these characters and I want to see it. Now, I mean, of course, I'd love to see it instantly, what would happen. But that made me care and say, oh, okay, it's not like it was the first two seasons. Mm -hmm. okay. Maybe that's why they did it that way. Let's see if people really, the focus groups or other people are going to test well mm -hmm. with the fact that we're taking a character away mm -hmm. and see what they think. Mm -hmm. So being that you've been in the entertainment business and dealt with focus groups and things like that and how it can affect you as a character or things along those lines, do you feel that they're important or do you feel that if you know your character that it's going to come through no matter what? Um, well, today that's tough because what focus group are you looking at? How can you get like people with different beliefs to even sit in the same room right now or different interests. Mm -hmm. They'll want to, well, one side will want to shut the other down. Mm -hmm. Demetrius knows what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> no, I, I don't think focus groups are currently, you have to reinvent them or you have to get, you have to get people to sit together and kind of like respectfully disagree on something or vote on something. I think they're important because if you just turn around and say, I really like this and this is my character and this is what I wrote. You run into a Gene Roddenberry type thing in season one and two mm -hmm. where he doesn't mm -hmm. want to listen to others. He's not going to give it over to the other people. And when he finally did, it was some of the best TV ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so that, so that it ends with you. We see Locutus of Borg. Picard has this new name. He's Locutus of Borg. It ends on, this thing where they're supposedly doing the deflector dish in a different way to where if they fire it, it should shut the board ship down and, and it has no effect on it. So that's how they, they, they end with the episode with Riker getting ready to make this decision. Riker's now in command of the enterprise, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it's something that I don't think he expected or ever wanted. He, he wanted Picard to be the thing we see because he goes seven years, how many times he passed promotion because he liked being, the number one under Picard mm -hmm. and learning under that um, learning. Track. I think, I think this Riker as a character shows how important it is when you have a good mentor to soak up as much as you can under that learning tree mm -hmm. to, to really do that, which people don't do anymore. You know, no. people don't have mentors. They don't soak up information from that person. Um, you know, I could, I know I could tell two or three people who are my mentors still to this day that I take information and soak up from. Uh, and that's what Riker was doing. 
And, um, you know, I, I think that this is an important aspect of we see he's now in command with, with Shelby, the number two. Troy has to remind him, hey, you're now in charge of the bridge. Mm-hmm. You're in charge of the ship, you know, and it, you could see he was uncomfortable, you know, because he's having to take a pardon me, a decision about Jean-Luc. You know, do I fire on Jean-Luc and maybe kill him? Yeah. And, 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 and we see that struggle in it of. He tries to put it off as long as he can, and then he can't, you know. And, uh, you know, we see we see what a Borg inside of the ship looks like because at the end of the episode, first episode, they beam over to try to go get him back, and you see the Borg inside of a ship. It's humid and dark and, you know, just kind of horror showy. So do you think, that, uh, Stevie, that they were making the Borg to be kind of a kind of technological zombie? Because I've heard a lot of people say that, and I don't think so. I don't see it, but then again, I am so – Trek focused that I don't, you know, I don't do a ton of horror movies because I don't find them that. So do you think this was the case or do you think it was just them trying to be different? I'm not quite sure. I got to look at the timeline because it had a Hellraiser type feel to it. The board mm-hmm. themselves have that, mm-hmm. that Hellraiser type look like they might've taken some of the, 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 the cues off of that. I, I think the end, the actual end of, um, that best of both worlds part one was Riker saying Mr. War fire. Yes. And then it faded. And once again, we go back to the Shatner thing. That's probably the second most um, popular or well-known moment of a fire order in, in Star Trek. Yeah. Just attention and all that stuff. And then the, the dolly shot coming around the half circle and him saying Mr. War fire. They, they had to build to that. It was great. Mm-hmm. And then you figure he's going to kill him. And then the next day when they come back from that, uh, Locutus tells him he knows everything, every right. move he's going to make. So mm-hmm. now Riker has to think for the rest of the episode, how do I do what he thinks I'm not going to do? So Riker kind of has to say, I have to think out. That's once again, the Riker taking the captain's seat, going out of his comfort zone, all those metaphors, at least that's the way I interpret it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we see that because um, he's struggling in, 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 you know, when he tells Hanson that they failed and they're going to make a stand at Wolf 359, which will eventually lead to the best captain showing up, Captain Cisco. Um, anyway, uh, but we see after that, that Guinan shows up and she tells him, let Picard go. Yeah. You know, that, you know, they kind of give him that push, be your own guy. Be your own captain. You have to let him go. He's not there anymore because Guinan, we don't know this, but we do know that she has experience with the Borg. Let's stop right there, though. What the hell do we need Shelby for when Guinan actually witnessed all this stuff and knows more than Shelby could from a a book or a scanner or whatever? Mm -hmm. Why are we not having Guinan consult on this whole thing? I don't know, you know, and that's that's where I'm like, what you have this resource, why not use it? I mean, Guinan, the person who she did these things, whatever she could do, apparently she could stand up to Q because we have that scene where Guinan's yeah. Q and they're like, and she does this thing with her hands, and then he's like, you know, kind of like, well, you know, we're gonna put them down, kind of thing. They have this standoff, um, you know, I, you know, I felt she was such a good character that was underutilized, but it was, I, I were they intentional in underutilizing her? I know part of it was. She had limited time because she was doing other things, but could you not find a way to incorporate her, especially in something like this, where she has experience with the board and, um, you know, her race got devastated because of it. Why are we not using that aspect of it? I don't know. Exactly. You know, no, but no. That's, we, we have 20 years of looking back going, well, I would have done it this way. You know, I mean, I'm sure people tell you all the time in your matches, Oh, well, why don't you just do this instead? <laughs> you know, 
I mean, uh, you know, I, I mean, and I guess that's the thing is when we look back at stuff, we always can see improvement, you know, but I think that's, that's important. We want to see how we can be better. I don't exactly. think we look at something and go, Ooh, this was the best. Mm-hmm. We always can see improvement. It's just a matter of accepting what we've put out there too and going, I'm satisfied with this, you know, and it, it, I don't know if that's hard for you as a content creator, Stevie, to where you go, all right, I'm, this is what it is. I've done everything. You watch it and you go, shit, I could have done this. You know, is that, is that hard as a content creator to do that? Well, no, it, it, like I said, it's constantly evolving. I think what what's happening today too, let's talk about this because back then, what were they trying to do? They were trying to draw ratings. They were mm-hmm. trying to sell merchandise. They were trying to get you to care about the characters. My whole exactly. thing with the YouTube channel and even the podcast and our free content platforms that I'm on is to drive my businesses, is to drive sales. Mm-hmm. Whether it be, excuse me, for the resistance band programs, the affiliates. I talked about the Switcher Studio video I did earlier. I love using it. It's great. Every company I have an affiliate for, I actually ethically have vetted them for like two or three years before. <laughs> we, it's easy to be an affiliate for stuff you mm-hmm. use all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm an affiliate for Switcher Studio. So if I make a video, hey, just click on the link and use the code below. You'll save a little bit of money. There's mm-hmm. a call to action. But that's because I want people on YouTube and other places, my audience, to hopefully take a call to action that's going to affect my brand. Mm-hmm. That, that's going to make me money or, you know, put me in a better spot to make, make better content and do things like that. Unfortunately, with Star Trek, we're talking about the original series, Next Generation. Kind of stopped with Enterprise because I'm sure there was a ton of people that said, why are you canceling this? Mm-hmm. So I think that might have been the shift where mm-hmm. – we don't we don't care about converting sales or ratings or doing it. We just don't like the show. The studio doesn't like it or getting rid of it. Yeah. So as a content creator, I do listen to what people say, but 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 the way that I listen to certain things is different than it was five, ten years ago. It's more you're a great businessman, Demetrius. Your family <laughs> understands you. business and customer service. Mm-hmm. But if if one person keeps coming in saying your one donut sucks. I don't like jelly donuts. I mean, but jelly donuts are your favorite seller. What are you, what are you going to do? You're not going to stop right. selling jelly no. donuts. God, no, please. But you see what I mean? Yeah. They, they will yeah. listen today that allowed its voice with 19 followers mm-hmm. and a purple egg on Twitter that says they hate Jonathan Archer because he's toxic masculinity personified. Yeah. It's like, right. exactly. I can't bother, you know, X nuts 95 with 19 followers. We can't do that. Yeah. No, no. And I tell you about business like too. I've had customers come in like, oh, why don't you carry this? You know, why don't you carry this? This, what happened? You know, why'd you get rid of it? Why'd you get rid of it? It's like, because it wasn't selling. Well, I bought it. I was like, yeah, it's just you. But <laughs> you understand the cost that goes into producing this every day. And then we're throwing it out. It's just pick something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so we we see the enterprise rise at Wolf three five nine, and everybody's been just just got us back on track. So yeah, yeah John, John always gets us back on track. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but I was going to say about before Wolf three five nine, everyone says when you get sim- simulated by the Borg that you're not that you're part of the collective that you're the Borg. Did you see the part where they had Picard laying down there and they put the drill in his head? You yeah. see the tear coming down his eyes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was powerful. Yeah, because because he knows that his individuality is like going out the window, and that he's going to become part of this giant collective that's going to be used to destroy 
the uh, Federation and Earth. So it, that, yeah, was a, that was a powerful scene. He was the conduit to tell everybody that he remembers everything. Mm-hmm. He remembered everything. It's a nightmare yeah. that sticks yeah. with him. So if yeah. he's having the nightmares after he comes back, those people have to be living nightmares as they're after assimilation. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, so Wolf, we, we see Wolf 359, the, that the Enterprise gets there. Every ship is just utterly destroyed. Yeah. Uh, the Admiral's dead. Everybody's dead. The ship that Riker was going to command is just absolutely destroyed. Um, and so they, um, you know, they follow the warp trail and they try to negotiate with Locutus and it's denied. Um, and, but they're able to figure out where he is in the cube so they can attempt a rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, they're able to rescue Picard in all this. And, uh, they do the antimatter spread to mess with their, um, we see Shelby kind of pay off here a little bit cause she does the antimatter spread, which kind of mm-hmm. messes with their sensors. They're able to get on board data and warp get through the shields, they grab a card and they bring it back. And then now is the process of, um, you know, the Borg continuing to earth, even though they don't have Locutus. And now it's that idea of how do we get Picard back? You know, how do we get him out of all this stuff, you know, which seemed daunting and seemed impossible, Yeah. you know? Um, but once again, you're on the flagship uh, uh, of the, uh, of the Starfleet, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they've got the best of everything. And uh, it's it, they're able to do so. Um, we see a, a moment where Picard breaks free, and he just mutters "sleep." You know that yeah. whole idea that he's he's been awake this whole time. Mm-hmm. You know he has not slept. He has been awake. He's been aware, and he just wants to sleep. Um, you know we see that that humanity come through again. Um, you know, which is so interesting because, you know, when you watch the first couple of seasons of Picard, he's almost Borg-like. He's he's just stoic and, you know, he doesn't want to interact with the kids. He doesn't like having families on his ship. And he's just, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. And he relates to Vulcans, you know, a lot more than he does people. He's yeah. and, and, and when he goes this route, I wonder if this, if the idea is this, and we do know this, that this experience changed him how he views people and how he commands, because we see that when, you know, after this, he gets sent home for a little bit with his brother and him and his brother kind of have a moment together. Um, And we know this later on in first contact that the PTSD comes back and Mm -hmm. it changed who he was. You know, we see him more engaged with the people of the ship than we have before season three. You know, he's, he's not distanced himself because Let's be honest, if these people did something that, you know, the whole idea of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, they did the opposite. They did the Kirk. The needs of the one yeah. outweigh the needs of the many. They came back for him when they could have just wrote, written him off and yeah. said, no, nah, you're done. And so I think we see some just powerful, really connecting moments to Star Trek where, mm-hmm. you know, we see Star Trek two and three. We see that, no. Spock, you're worth it. We're going to come back for you. Yeah, we see that with Picard, and it mm-hmm. changes him, and I think makes him a better captain and better character in the long run. You know, I think this is where my like of Picard begins. Is this moment forward? I think, but that's just me. Yeah, it's an interesting thing too to say. What was the um, other saying? I know needs of the one outweigh the needs of uh, the many, but there was one life is worth saving to save some, there was something else. It wasn't star Trek, but mm-hmm. your humanity is lost. If you're going to start like measuring lives, according to numbers, right. Yeah. Yeah. Message. 
Every yeah. life does matter. Every man, mm-hmm. you know, we need to bring every man home type thing from the, right. that. There's a lot of great stuff. And in, in this episode too, once again, about the unknown and about how humanity is going to react. Mm-hmm. And obviously then you have to, it's the opposite. You would love to be passive and be a science vessel or a science, you know, civilization, but this is why we built these ships and we have to fight now. Yeah, we exactly, are the military. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Even though they don't want to, they never, they never claim to be or want to be associated with that. But let's be honest, in all actuality, you are, you know, yeah. there's a reason why you have ranks and you're based off naval ranks and you have ships. And for those reasons, and your ships have phasers and photon torpedoes and shields. There mm-hmm. is a reason for those things. You are, I guess the best, you know, somebody said it's a paramilitary organization, but I mean, to me, no, you are. So you know? it's a, no, it's a it's a straight military organization. Basically, mm-hmm. it's the it's a, it's a military arm of 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 the uh, Federation. Yeah, that's it. yeah. You so know, and, you know, and that's the whole point: is the Federation subtly means defense. They don't want to be overt about it yeah. because you know they, you've got the Klingons you got to deal with the Romulans. You know, clean fuck the Romulans. Yeah, there you fuck go. Fuck those assholes, those fucking Romulans. I hate those people. There you go. You got your grand in. I see. Look, I set you up, Triple D. Yeah, you did. Thank you. Appreciate that. So, so, but we see. So, also, Data figures out that sleep also means that Picard is giving them a suggestion on how to defeat the Borg. That they use that as a feedback loop um, where they shut them all down and it causes their weapons and shields to go down. They get put in the sleep mode, which, you know, is interesting now that we have Neuralink, which is becoming more and more a thing. Is that going to be something that happens? You know, uh, Stevie, do you get, you sign up for the Neuralink and then maybe getting a sleep command put into you, you know, I, 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 for whatever people believe, I, I would just like for God to decide when my time is up <laughs> and when I'm going to die. Exactly. Uh, not somebody who says like an upload, you don't have enough data left. So we're going to just shut you down and put you to sleep. And man, this is uh this neural link. I know Sal's excited for it and Ben's so, so he dips in and out of the market of beast type stuff. But yeah, he does. I don't know about this. I don't putting our, putting our trust Look at the, I can't even get my magic mouse to 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 work when it's supposed to. So I mean, you're gonna put a, a neural link in my head. Mm-hmm. Everything is, and you don't even know what kind of uh, immune response your brain's gonna have to having a foreign substance in it. True. Mm-hmm. True. You know, maybe much like a vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. Exactly. There we go. So, yeah. so the Borgs are destroyed. Everybody comes together. Hey, we're all happy at the end. Um, but we do see, you know, Riker's offered command. He says, "No, I'm going to say first officer." Shelby's going to be a part of, you know, rebuilding the fleet, and that, I think that's where we begin to see some things like the Defiant, the Akira class, mm-hmm. some of the more modern design ships that we, you know, become a part of. Um, come the, from that the, aspect of it. the Enterprise E as well. Oh, of course, the Sovereign class. We can't sovereign forget class. that. Yeah, very sexy ship. Way better to me. Way better than the D. Way better than the D. Uh, improvement. But Enterprise, um, the Enterprise refit from the motion picture is still the greatest, most beautiful no. starship of them all. Um, did you not hear the Admiral just talk about that? You know. <laughs> listen, listen that scene that scene i'm sorry I, I have to have to get my shit in just a little bit but though but that scene with the music from you know that that jerry goldsmith did to go along with that where they're show, showcasing the enterprise to me that's just i like that scene i like that scene 
right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take that soundtrack. I'm going to take that soundtrack and I'm just going to do two hours of glory shots in my home gym where I'm just yes, going to go across go. close ups, yeah. all this stuff. And you tell me how exciting that is. Oh, Stevie, I would be on the edge of my seat. Just seeing that. I doubt that. Yeah. You got, you have to um, see, are, are you still learning to play the uh, uh, piano, Stevie? I am. The piano's right over here. Yeah. You should. Um, did, I, did I tell you to look up Ilya's theme? That's the opening theme in the motion picture. It's a really, it's it's actually it's a really beautiful piece of music. Star Trek motion picture theme. We're just off the rails. I love it. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you that that's what it is. The most diehard Star Trek fans all say mostly the same thing about that. Yeah. I'm I'm actually one of the few that kind of goes against the grain where I'm like I really I I don't know I just they could have done a lot better job with the movie where they could have developed the characters a little bit more so but but because of the motion picture sucking they created Star Trek Two The Wrath of Khan and because of Five just being an absolute dumpster fire they created Six so the bad Star Trek movies actually kind of created the great Star Trek movies so. Did they refund people their money for those bad movies? They no. did not. <laughs> no refunds. No Sell sales final. No. Yeah. Exactly. Before before Ben Hameen. Now you don't have to worry about any. Of it. Yeah. Exactly. Make exactly. all the lucky Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four movies you want. Oh god. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. So that those that was uh, for those of you who are interested. You want to go see it? You have to go buy it on Amazon. I mm-hmm. think it's on Netflix, though. If you it is on Netflix. It is on it Netflix, is on Netflix yeah. without paying Netflix. for it. If you own Netflix, you can mm-hmm. have that. Uh, that is the best of both worlds, part one and two. Those are Stevie's favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Great episodes, especially mm-hmm. TNG. It it, it turns the table for TNG going down to make it a, a, an incredible series. Mm-hmm. So, But what we're going to do now is we're going to talk a little news about the Star Trek because um, Star Trek always has news. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go into our news segment right now. So our first story we want to talk about today is the Woman in Motion documentary. It's uh, Nichelle Nichols is coming out February 16th. It is a whole story, a documentary about her, her work with NASA to recruit people and women of color and and women in general, and um, how she was very instrumental in recruiting a lot of these people. Um, It's an interesting thing that she just wasn't a Star Trek character. She used that to reach out to people and bring them into science, um, which Last week, last time we recorded, we talked about how Martin Luther King kept her from leaving the show, yeah. um, and so she then turned around and used that to bring people into NASA, which we all know is a um, Operation Paperclip, you know, just you know thing. But still, to bring in people into that and to help diversify our space program, um, Stevie, what do you have a favorite Uhura moment uh, for from Star Trek at all? Um, well, just as a compilation of her stuff, and obviously the the barriers that were broken by Star Trek when she was on the show, like you said, Martin Luther King convinced her, excuse me, to stay on the show. It's just a compilation of when you looked at Aurora, she you didn't think she was less of a crew member. Mm-hmm. She had her; everybody had their spot mm-hmm. and their job to do. It was a legitimate crew on a starship should have. 
but that was the thing. They each, in wrestling terms, got over in their own way and had their demographic and had their fans. They all came together and agreed that the show worked. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's the kiss. There's a kiss scene between her and Kirk, which yep. was done on purpose to, to to prove a point, and that's great. Um, other than that, I can't honestly. That's the thing. I can't remember anything except she had the solid part of the Star Trek um, standard operating procedure. Hell, this can you open communications? Mm-hmm. Do this? Yeah. Do that? People might see it like it's a, a a mindless job, or you're you're just a phone operator or whatever you are, but there was a lot to do with being the hub for the communication and all the other stuff for the enterprise. Yeah. I did. I did like in, um, undiscovered country where, um, they don't want to use the journal universal translator when they're trying to get through Klingon space. And so they're giving, she's like pouring through all these books and she's the one who's trying to communicate in Klingon. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just, it, it's, it's terrible Klingon, but it, it's, it's so funny to see that aspect of it is no, you need someone to be that communication to understand mm-hmm. that, you know, she's the one that says, Hey, we can't use the universal translator. They're going to recognize it. We've got to just yeah. wing it. And they've got all these books and she's trying to do her best to communicate that. I think it was just, um, it showed the importance of a person to go. We can't just talk with our universal translator. We have to be real because she's in on that the whole time. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there's a respect aspect of it. You know, I, I liked it in three when in search for Spock, where she, she is helping them get to the enterprise. And he's like, the guy, the young guy is like, why are you on this? You could go anywhere. Why are you in this backwater posting, you know, just on the back end of this transporter. And, you know, she's like, well, because, you know, I, she just shows her, her, her skill and her, you know, cleverness and, and that, you know, you don't mess around with her either. Yeah. She's such a good, unique character. And Michelle Nichols did a great job of portraying her and making her a part of the family, you know, and really yeah. that's what it was. There was, like you said, no less than mm-hmm. she was able to hang with all the boys. Yeah. You know? What do you think about Aurora and uh, the new Star Trek being a love interest with Spock? I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't either. No, I didn't like that either. Threw that in there. Yeah. 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 You know, I, yeah. I like that they even made her more, um, you know, capable at her job because she knew the dialect. She could, she had one of those gifts where, you know, when they said, I, do you know the difference between uh, Romulan and Vulcan? She says, I know all the different dialects, you know, that it's that idea that she can really be a, a good part of the job, a good fit. You know, it wasn't yeah. just less. Yeah, than- but they didn't set the table at all to say she knew all that stuff and she didn't show any doubt and then overcame her doubts like horror did in the original series yeah right you yeah, know she worked was, through it she just like automatically knew everything she's was a product. an expert yeah yeah like why well what yeah. what upbringing do you have to know all that stuff that's right. that's what bothered me right which whereas when you enterprise with hoshi you you knew that she had all this experience teaching the languages she's yeah she was japanese but she was in brazil teaching you know, language to students in Brazil when Archer went to come and get her, you know, and says, I got to have you, you know, language is better than anybody. You know, there was that aspect. And of course you see Hoshi. And I guess that's where you kind of see that when you compare Hoshi to Uhura in the new Star Trek is Hoshi did struggle with that. Do I belong here? Am I able to do this kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And, and, but because of her skill, she's able to kind of make that difference. And so um, that's where I think, you know, the new ones 
falter is because they make everybody good at what they do right out the gate. You know, there's no struggle. Bones is good at what he does. Yeah. You know, there's no if ands or buts. Um, you know, Spock is good as what he does. Uhura is good as what he does. The only uh, one, the only one that kind of struggles in the entire new Star Trek franchise is Kirk. Yeah, Kirk is the yeah. only one that struggles. Everyone else is is an expert at it. Yeah, check out some prodigy. He's 17 years old. I mean, it's just, you know, it's these aspects of it that you're like going, okay. And, and, and all this aspect, we, Mm -hmm. we don't see the struggles, you know, everybody's good at what they do, except for Kirk. He's trying to find like his place. I got to say with, with, with Uhura from the original series, some of my favorite moments is, is, is the kiss with, with Kirk just to like piss everyone off and say, listen, you know, it's, uh, a white man can kiss a black girl, or a black man can kiss a white girl. There's nothing's going to happen to him. Mm-hmm. And when she would sing, yeah, she had, a, she had a beautiful voice, and just basically her being on the bridge, basically breaking breaking a barrier and showing it's not just white women that are smart and white people, but black people are just as smart as 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 white people. Sometimes even smarter. Yeah. That's the Joe Biden line. Exactly. <laughs> well, but you do well, see that because you see you have you know uh, Ensign Rand. You know, I mean, she mm-hmm. which, she's a glorified secretary. She's coming in, bringing Kirk the logs or whatever. Yeah. Where you have Ahura, who's in charge of a whole station and communication. Yeah. Um, you know, so you've got a white woman almost as essentially subservient mm-hmm. to an African American woman, and she's in charge of the communications and everything. Whereas this other woman is just kind of there. You know, she's she's a glorified secretary per yeah. se. But the, but that but then the motion picture they make they make Rand in charge of like the uh, transporters and stuff and yeah, transporter chief and then, yeah, and then transporter she, be, chief. she becomes she becomes communications because you yeah. see that in, in undiscovered country she's mm-hmm. on the Excelsior yeah those kind of things so all right so our next story is uh, Mego which they had the seventies and eighties they had the classic Kirk. And Spock figures um, that were about eight inches tall, mm-hmm. they are re-releasing a new kind of um, uh, figure. They're they're coming back with the um, eight-inch um, Jean-Luc Picard data, and they're going to have Saru. Um, oh. I kind of look at these, and I'm kind of going, okay, um, these they look old. Like the thing about it is that they look old school. They mm-hmm. don't look, um, you know, polished or you know, the, you know, 37 points of articulation, they're, mm. they're kind of, you know, in a way janky and they look handmade, but that's at the same time, they have that kind of seventies, eighties figure look. So, you know, guys, what are you thinking? Are you, is this something you would even be interested in to, for a nostalgia aspect? Because they have the kind of the nostalgia cards on the back when they come in the plastic, they have a kind of a nostalgia look. Or are you into the more modern-looking figures that uh, we talked about last time? XO6 does that are just really good-looking. Um, where are you at on, on these? No, no, no. <laughs> Stevie's like, I, I don't. I, I'm not much of a collector anymore, anyway. But these don't. These look like garbage. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I agree. I mean, especially when we looked at last week's the XO6 is where they have data. Um, I mean. We have we, it was made in the eighties for a reason, you know. I mean, we've left the eighties for a reason. But, but once again, nostalgia is such a big it's such a big business now. Where watch, they're gonna make millions off of these figures because you're gonna have every single 
uh, you know, 45 to, you know, 55-year-old Star Trek fan who couldn't buy those Mego figures back in the day, they're going to be like, oh, wow, look, they're back, and they, and they buy them up. Look at look look at what WWE did when they re-released the Hasbro figures. Those like like the old school you know figures, those sold like hotcakes. They sold really really well, and still nobody knows who the fuck the wrestlers are there. If you go to a supermarket and be like, hey, do you know uh, this guy? They're like, no. But they bought them anyway. But yeah. they but they but but they bought them anyway. So being that you you had figures, Stevie, how how did what do you? What would you? How did that work for you when you had to say they said, "Okay, we're going to put you on an action figure"? What was that like? What was that process like? Well, it was super cool, but I can't imagine that these they did the same three D scans on these figures that they did on me. Right? They did three D face scans and all that stuff, so it was more representation of what um, you know it should be. I would ask this question to the people out there that are looking to buy eight inch Mego action figures or anything like that. Um, is your home under forbearance? Are you about to forbear <laughs> for the second time? Are you waiting for a stimulus check? If you are, you should probably not buy action figures. Exactly. Okay, just saying. You might want to think about the lights and the food and the kids. Mm -hmm. and, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look just at this. Checking. Come to the Academy, get financial advice from Stevie Rich. Exactly. I mean, can't get any better than that. Can't get any better. You get it all here. You get financial yeah. advice, Star Trek advice. You, you get it all. Yeah. All right. So for our next story, Stevie, have you watched any of the Orville, the kind of, you know, show that kind of is, you know, done by Seth MacFarlane, kind of an homage, but still fun Star Trek adjacent type show. Have you seen any of it? I saw the first episode of it and I just never checked back in, but it seems like it's the most, even though it's based in comedy, it's the most true to life kind of at least spinoff of what Star Trek would have been. That's yeah. what I understand it to be. It, it really is. It's a lot of fun. Um, very creative. Uh, Seth MacFarlane has done a, a great job of balancing that line of, of humor uh, with reality. And, you know, it's familiar with the Star Trek aspect, but it's not Star Trek per se. But, I mean, you got captains and the first officer. You've got a security guy. you got the ship. They're a part of this large conglomerate of planets. Mm -hmm. You know, you got... You know, an AI uh, planet, you've got a warrior like race, you know, you, you've got all the kind of stuff. But, you know, the fun part, like, you know, they have a guy who's an AI and his name is Isaac. So he doesn't have emotion. He doesn't understand. So one of the guys tries to teach him practical jokes. And so he puts the guy who's teaching him puts Mr. Potato Head stuff on his face. And he does it regularly. So he comes in uh, on, into work, and, you know, onto the bridge, and he's got a Mr. Potato Head set all over his face. And everybody's just like going, what's going on? And so they explain the practical joke. So the guy's like, this is a practical joke. So then later in the episode, he wakes up to go to work, and they come in, and he's Isaac has cut his leg off. And then he's hit it. And he's like, oh, this is a practical joke. I took something that was important from you. You didn't expect it. And, uh, you know, he's, Jesus. Oh my God. And he's like, you are sick. You know, like, and so later, and then later, oh. they're having this <laughs> conversation. The leg falls out from the ceiling onto the table in the middle of this conversation. You know, it, it, it's a whole bit that kind of oh runs through the thing. God. And so he's in sick bay with Isaac because Isaac's taken out. And he goes, you know what? No, now I've had time to think about it. That was one of the best damn practical jokes I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, I mean, it's just it's oh it's Lord. funny, it's it's great, but you know, so 
And I tie in all this because I don't know if you've seen any of these Eagle Moss figures uh, that are the ships, which I'm a big ship mark. Mm -hmm. um, I love the detail of these things. If I could afford it, man, I would buy all these ships because I'm a huge ship mark. Well, uh, the Orville gets its own Eagle Moss oh, wow. um, collection of, of ships. They have, they have the extra large and the regular versions of the Orville, and then they have one of the shuttles um, that gets its regular version as well. Um, and so it's, I, I guess you would call it an extra large because if you compare it to the size of the regular um, Orville ship, you know, it's not quite the scale. But the I don't know if you've seen any of these Eagle Mosses, Stevie, but, you know, that's something I would own. I would like the ship designs of it. So um, I forgot to ask you, favorite ship design. Which What's your favorite ship in Star Trek? Oh, um, oh, it would probably have to be Enterprise Deary. Mm. would probably be okay. the two, just because future. But the one from the Star Trek movie that was being hidden, the Destroyer class, mm. I believe it was. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The, the the vengeance, vengeance. It was, but was it the vengeance? In in dark, you're talking about into darkness. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the vengeance. The vengeance. Okay, yeah, yeah that's also that's a hell of a ship. Yeah, the, the way they did that one and the way they did space with that particular mm -hmm. scene was mm -hmm. was very ominous. Yeah. yeah, if you collect, this is much better. Don't buy those Mego pieces of shit. But um, <laughs> this is yeah, this is something like if you want to put on your desk at work or in your home office, I can, I can see that being something mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the cool part about, you know, Eagle Moss they've done, they go into detail with anything. So like discover, you see a ship on the screen for three seconds, they're pulling it and they're making a, a thing about it. They do a great job of making it worth your while to spend your money on it. Mm -hmm. You can even do a monthly plan where you're getting ships every month. You know, really? Uh, yeah. So you you could do that if you wanted mm -hmm. to. I'm not that person, but that's you know, dangerous. That is yeah, dangerous. very dangerous, especially for a ship mark like myself. Mm -hmm. um, I am not going to do that. So, all right. So let's talk. Uh, so the biggest news right now is season four of Discovery. So Stevie, Stevie, I know you're excited <laughs> about this. This is going to be great. <laughs> Stevie's Stevie's going to check. He's just going to check I out. Do that. I don't do that very often, but. Yeah. Um, He's no. like, fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah, that's not even you're not yeah. getting me with that. I watched one of your stupid <laughs> episodes. I'm not gonna I can I can I can tune I can tune in the news and see everything I need to know about Star Trek Discovery. I don't need yeah. any of that. It it's the the, the whole point is Has there been a Trump running? alien yet? Any Trump uh evil <sighs> aliens? Uh, that's probably going to be season alien. four. That's probably going to be season four. That's and, then, and then and then I'm going to be like, fuck Discovery. I'm never watching this shit again. I hope yeah. they do it now. Yeah, no, they they they're they're talking about like the whole season four. Yeah, yeah, you know, Oded Fair was I, he liked him as a character. He's good. Yeah, but, he was a good character. Wasn't but he? they're talking about um, they're gonna have they're gonna grow the the Federation essentially from this point forward. There's an ominous villain that you know is not quite a thing, you know, but it's not a technological villain, um, you know. Kurtzman is just being cryptic, you know, and I'm like, what? The, I read the article. I'm going, why? Why are we talking about if you're not going to give me anything for season four? You're telling me there's a villain, but it's not living, but it's not a technology thing like the AI aspect, which season two, they do touch on that. AI mm -hmm. kind of is trying to take over in season two, which is why they have to jump to the future. Um, that was the villain, which, you know, I thought was closer to what you would appreciate because the AI started taking over humans. Uh, it would mm -hmm. infect a human, and uh, 
you know, basically function the human going back to the Borg aspect and going back to is technology, you know, good for us or not, um, you know, was the story there that the AI was basically killing people and yeah. that they had to, to destroy the AI because in the future it killed everyone, you know, kind of aspect for it. So, um, you know, I think it, it, it tied into that whole, what we talk about is technology really as good as we need to, you know? So season two, I liked that aspect of it because it asked the question, you know, how, how is too much technology a good thing? You know, because they had the hollow, um, you know, projectors for communication. They had all these things and the AI was able to infect all these different systems and destroy things and destroy people. And, you know, we now see that, too much technology is a good thing. And so they scale it back. That's why they explain, well, we got rid of all that technology. Um, so that's why, you know, enterprise and everything in the 70s is kind of dialed back technology-wise because, um, you know, we had too much and, and we had to scale back. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's just basically they're saying season four is, is happening. Um, I don't know if you heard, Stevie, but they Kurtzman apparently has up to seven seasons already written. They want to go 10 years. Um, you know, so, um, do you think, I guess this is the bigger question. Do you think them having something like a streaming service where all they have to worry about is people signing up? Do you think that helps or hurts stuff like this, where something probably shouldn't go seven seasons or 10 years, but it does. Why, why even bother? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why don't you give those six seasons to Enterprise and bring that back? Yeah, exactly. You, 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 what you're doing now is like, this is very much like AEW. Hey, we're fine with the people we have. That's it. There's never going to be a new new audience to, no pun intended, mm-hmm. discover the show. I mean, I'm going to mm-hmm. have to, you're going to have to bring me in from another, for another show, which outside of football, I don't know what else CBS has. Right. The card, that's also fallen way yeah. short of my expectations so yeah. i don't know i think the star trek universe it's gonna be like anything else i will watch star trek when it was good and it's yeah. not good anymore so are you gonna give strange new worlds a shot you know the one with pike and um you know number one and all that you know with spock being it feels like to me they're gonna be like that tos style you know adjacent. Is this on cbs all right it, it is it is gonna be on all access yeah, but I expect a lot of targets be looted in the set in the show <laughs> this will not be this will be s s j j w w double s j w yeah probably. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. well and i mean man, you know what i mean yeah and the guy the guy that's playing Ans- the answer mount is uh, the captain he is Fairly liberal and SJW ish, you know. Well, not, I don't have you if that's what you want to put it out there. I'm not saying it to be like, I just want to watch, I want to watch a science fiction show about space and about trying to trying to go and make mm-hmm. the better for all humanity mm-hmm. and not putting so. I, I swear to God, there's going to be a Trump alien, there's going to be a Trump alien, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a Ted Cruz alien, there's going to be a Steven Crowder alien, it's going to. You're good. They're going to start filtering it in. And yeah. to me, it's like, I'm not going to tweet. I'm not going to tweet the makers of the card or tweet the makers of discovery. And so you need to change. We're canceling you. I'm mm-hmm. just not going to watch. Yeah. I'm going to watch the stuff I like. Yeah. I don't have enough time in my day to waste. I got very little time to watch the things I like. Yeah. Right. I, you know, besides the things I don't like. So exactly. And that, there's I make fun of it just because they're taking it so seriously. Oh to yeah. Push that agenda. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's actually funny because in the Orville, they have an episode where they talk about they go to this planet and everything is like our time just a little off. But everybody has buttons where you're either up liked or down liked. And if you're down liked because of your social media score type thing, then you get reprogrammed or, you know, executed mm-hmm. things like that. And you can't buy certain things if you're under a certain like, you know, or a certain social media score type thing. It's very interesting to watch that episode. Well, and that's happening in China for exactly, real. Exactly. And I think, you know, because Seth MacFarlane, I think it came out right around that story when that China story coming out, you know, so I, he's been known to push the envelope and say things about people and go, mm-hmm. you know, no, you need to change. You, you know, you're, you're doing something different. It's very interesting that that aspect is is being addressed in the Orville as well from the social media aspect of, you know what, you know, and it's because this guy does something a little crazy. So one of the crew people gets, you know, down, downvoted and everything. And they talk about how, you know, they flood social media with all kinds of misinformation and that's how they save it, you know? And it just goes back to the fact that, you know, everybody's so interested in social media and what it says and, and what the internet says that they don't research it themselves, you know? Yeah. They, you know, they say, oh, well, he was a veteran. He has a dog, you know, he was da 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 da. They do all these things that, you know, people would like to kind of get his vote up so that he doesn't get executed. And that's yeah. how they do it. They, they feed all kinds of false media. And um, it's just sad because that's what we see in society today, you know, and it's almost that, you know, McFarland just makes a more direct commentary on today's society with the Oracle. So it's definitely worth checking out for if nothing else that. So when you think about it too, he's allowed to do that without getting canceled. So that's a red flag yeah. in my mm-hmm. viewpoint. Well, he that was on Fox, and then now they're, he's going to be strictly on Hulu. You know, so season three, which they ended season two with Fox. Now they said season three is going to be uh, filmed only for Hulu. So, mm. and yeah. who controls Hulu? The same masters that that control the five forms of media. So yeah, yeah, it's a conglomeration between I think Fox and NBC, mm-hmm. but NBC pulled out with the Peacock, so I think it's just Fox and a few mm-hmm. other people. So. All right, so since you did mention Picard, we are going to talk Picard on uh, a little bit here. Uh, season two is shooting soon. They were supposed to start at the beginning of February, but they got pushed back. Um, and um, and so it's not you know happening yet. But the big story that's coming out of this is how Jerry Ryan likes filming on Picard more because apparently her and Kate Mulgrew did not get along uh, mm. on the set of Voyager. Um, apparently Kate Mulgrew didn't like her. And was was not excited about having her on when she came on into season four, and there was a ton of tension for the rest of the entire show, um, and so that's been the big story from this is that you know um, th- I know this is as bad as wrestling you know headlines a little bit here, Stevie. So I'm sorry, you know we're having to do this, but nothing I- nothing could be as bad as Nikki Bella having to send her boyfriend to therapy for his tone. <laughs> I heard that. I literally wanted to take a knife and stick it in my fucking ear. Well, this is on that same line. I'll so wait until no. season four comes up with Discovery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, once again, is this is this hurting the the Star Trek franchise, Stevie, when we have new stories like this? That's the reason why I put this one in here is because she's airing laundry about being backstage, not Janeway not liking her. Is this is this bad for the franchise in general? Well, I don't think so. I mean, think about that. All the people that hated Shatner 
and they managed to kind of patch things up. This could be yeah. a potential convention run mm. for both of those oh, to try yeah. to get more money to get them on the same stage and answer questions on a panel. I don't think there's anything that could. Now, when she puts out, she likes working on Picard better and all this stuff happened. I don't doubt it. Maybe Kate Mulgrew, she was a, a classically trained actress, right? Right. So that could have something to do with it. They bring this girl on, put the outfit they put on her, and you know what I mean? She's drawing more eyes and more interest than the than the female captain of Voyager. Right. Yeah. The first female captain on TV that that ran the series. We know it was good. Yeah. 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 So we that was, you know that there were others on there, but they were just yeah, one time. Discovery. Yeah. Uh, it sucks. Uh, well, I know uh, Robert Beltran didn't like how they just kind of sexualized you know, Jerry Ryan sexualized like the whole series, you know, where they focus a lot on her. So yeah, dude, was, she was going through all that stuff with her husband and everything. That yeah. Was yeah. Yeah. She was going through a whole thing with that too. So, mm-hmm. you know, and his, her husband was a politician, right. In like Chicago or Illinois, something like that. If I remember correctly, because they were talking about, Oh, another Chicago politician is dirty air launders because of, you know, she got on the show and everybody started learning more about her. And because of that, they learned about him and some of the dirty politics he was involved with and the crazy stuff that he would go get involved with. So what? What? Hold on. Chicago, dirty politics. I'm shocked. Oh, I know. Shocked. I know. Shocker. 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 All right. So this last news story, I figured we'd end on a fun one. Um, these uh, it, we're going to go over some these are nine collectibles that are um, strange and like the most unexpected because the, of their cost. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. So uh, so the first one we have is a bizarre 1967 release from Rimco, and it's this weird helmet. And oh my god, the helmet! And, and and yet here's the funny part. Oh, See lower decks, which went, once again lower decks coming in to save the day. Such a good show. Mm-hmm. They made it canon because it. They brought it back into the lower deck show. It's oh, got this good, crazy man. siren on the top with these two little antenna, this visor. It's a whole thing. And awesome. um, and but here's the thing: if you had one of these originally, um, I'm almost done, buddy. Um, you it would be. They said last time you saw one of these sell on the internet, it was two thousand dollars without the box for this crazy helmet that is just you know out of nowhere. You know so. Uh, <laughs> $2,000 for a toy, no box. That's just this crazy helmet that had no place in Star Trek whatsoever. You know, are, are collectors a little, a little out there? Mm-hmm. I'm I sure mean, you can get Zach Ryder to buy one of these things. Five of them. Yeah, Teenage Ninja Turtles, Star Trek, he'll buy those. Oh, my, oh, my gosh. Oh, so. Zach Ryder likes Star Trek collectibles, too? No, but he likes action figures. So oh, sure so yeah, so he... Yeah, you're right. He probably would. Yeah. So it's so this, it's a crazy thing. The next one is this Astro Tank. It's a Star Trek Astro oh, Tank. Which is, yeah. So it's it's a, another Remco oddity. So it's oh, they're slapping just the Star Trek label on this tank that they already had called an Astro Tank. But it sold a gently used one sold for one thousand three hundred dollars at auction without box. So I mean, this is ridiculous, right? Why? 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 I don't understand. I understand. I don't understand either. I, I don't get it. You know, the next another one, one is the same exact plastic from the tank, and they put it into a helmet. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. with these 
goofy bug eyes, mm-hmm. and and that one sold for over a thousand dollars at in twenty fifteen. You know, you know, twenty fifteen. I mean, I, I, now these are all ridiculous. Can we all agree? Can we all agree that these first three are completely ridiculous? Mm-hmm. I mean. I'd like I to make so. a reminder again, once again, if you have a, for, a current forbearance on your home or if, you're forbo, <laughs> if you have a forbearance on your rent and you're waiting for Biden to send you a $600 stimulus check after a year, um, these are probably not the things you want to buy. Yeah, exactly. All right. So the next one we have is a Star Trek five. Uh, God, I can't even say this. A marshmallow dispenser. Kind of like it was in the show. <laughs> With these stupid the fuck, man. Yeah. Jesus. But apparently you could find them for over 40 or 50 bucks. You know, <laughs> it was it was it was a mail-away promotion for jet puff marshmallows that you got this thing. And oh yet my God. you could buy them for 40, 50 bucks. You know, That's crazy. Oh my god. And then okay, here's one that Zack Ryder would definitely buy. Okay. Star Trek Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, so oh, you, yeah. you've got Chief Engineer Michelangelo. Why would Michelangelo be the Chief Engineer? Shouldn't that be Donatello? Donatello should be the Chief Engineer. Uh, First Officer Donatello, that should be Raphael. Uh, Captain Leonardo, and okay. then Chief Medical Officer Raphael. What the hell? Do they even not know what Star Trek is? I mean, uh, God, they, they didn't even put everybody in the right place. Marvelous. Was Captain, uh, Captain Leonardo, you know? Yeah, just this is—it's a crossover event that they did, um, that they did in the '90s, Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is one. uh, If twenty to thirty dollars will get you one out of package, but you'll have to spend sixty dollars or more for ones in package with the cards and everything. Oh yeah, Ryder will go right after the ones with the cards Mm -hmm. and the packages. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, this just goes to show you that. You know, Trek does not have a handle on their merchandise at all. They never did. They never they, did. You know, whereas when you look at Star Wars, how much they they had a handle on it. And then the next one is just more indicative of it that a, a Barbie and Ken Star Trek gift set, you know, from the original the series. Kirk and Spock on there, not a not a yeah. Yeah, not <laughs> a model. Right at, at least they redshirted Barbie. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> they redshirted her. Exactly. Barbie did not survive. Yeah. So they, but so this is this was released in the in 1996 um, as a as a homage to the 30th anniversary of the original series. Okay. And um, you know, kind of thing. But like you said, it's a picture of Kirk and Spock. But Ken has the gold shirt. Barbie has the red shirt. And uh, that can be 40, 50 bucks nowadays. So, you know, hey, maybe Zack Ryder will get on that one too. I don't know. Um, all right. So next we have a Star Trek Mr. Potato Head. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Dude, how many more of these things you got, bro? Dude, there's nine of them. We got two more. Nine? Holy shit. Two more. Two this more. This is crazy. This is crazy. Yes. Once again. It's it, nuts. It, one's a Captain Kirk and one's a Klingon. You know, um, fucking Klingon potato head. Yes, yes. This thing is. Oh ridiculous. god, that is. It's sixties so era. It's the sixties era Klingon. <laughs> you know, seventy bucks. Seventy what? bucks. Seventy bucks. The f- if me. your house is going to forbearance and you're waiting for Biden to send you the check, don't buy this. You're exactly right, Stevie. Oh the wait, fuck is wrong with these? The last two. The last two. Okay, so uh, we've got. If you like model trains. Lionel has made a uh, they made a model train setup. 
You can buy the entire set for 500 bucks, or each car is worth 75 to 80 bucks. So they have a Lionel train set that has the engine that says USS Enterprise, NCC 10711D. Then they have a sick bay. So it's kind of got the modern you know, thing, but it's just a train with Star Trek paint. And then the cars say sick bay or different mm-hmm. things that are stuff painted on there. And yeah, 500 bucks, 500 bucks, you know, for this random thing. And then the last thing, God. you know, this is the last one. I'm, 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 I'm interested. Saving so, the best for last. Saving the best for last. You're going to love oh, this one. All right. So it is a Star Trek sushi set. It looks like a nice display for, you know, the looks like a 1960s uh, Enterprise. But the nacelles come off, and those are your chopsticks. The wooden base is your, your thing to eat off of. And then the saucer top comes off, and that's where you put your, your wasabi and your soy sauce. Oh, and that me. is over $150. Oh, that. my God. You know, so the, the, I'm getting I, I'm getting I mean one of those. Jeez, <laughs> oh, he would kill you. He would kill you. So the, yeah. the the purpose of this story was just to show that Star Trek has not had a handle on their merchandise. Oh. You know, um, it's they they these are nine things, but I mean, people are paying money for this. You know, because so, they're idiots and they're marks. Uh, hey, do I do we need to talk about who bought a plate set that I told them about in the news? Uh, thing? I use I use the plates. I use the plates that you can use. Show them the cup. Show them the cup. Show Steve the cup. You know. Mm-hmm. So a few a few while, a while ago, I told him about this plate set. He went and bought it. He bought it based off of what I told him. Well, yeah. I, I, when I checked it out, it looked pretty good. Actually. I was just still looking at the website. I can't believe these things are actually. They have to make them in bed. They have to make them in bulk. They can't make them on demand. They're right, three D printed. So these are there's a warehouse full of all these things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, somewhere, and there's people are demand. paying money for this. Yeah, there's people are paying money for they're, this. They're, I've they're, this house. They're they're getting getting I'm getting rid of my merchandise with me on it. I'm not going to buy their merchandise with me not on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's it, it oh, just goes yeah. to show you Star Trek has not had a handle on their merchandise. Oh. It's funny. They, they, they've done some ridiculous things um, with their merchandise. And so I thought it would be in the, to, to have a laugh about just the ridiculousness that has been out there that people are paying money for. So, you know, um, but that's all I have for today. I think that's going to end our show. We've given everybody about two hours worth of oh my content. God, we've, we've given them enough time. For you know, Admiral Richards, you've done a great job. Yes, thank and uh, you. I do want to. I do want to introduce uh, first time ever. This is my son Jacob. Hi, Hi Jacob. Jacob is is a big Trek fan as well. Um, and so, um, tell him your favorite uh, series. Uh, my favorite series is um, the Next Generation. Uh, I tend I tend to prefer uh, Captain Picard to plenty other ones because I just find him to be a bit more. Uh, serious when it comes to uh and pe- peaceful and serious when it comes to issues mm-hmm. there we both agree see yeah yep it's us two yeah. against them too definitely excellent choices mm-hmm. excellent very good choice. yeah yeah see you know i mean i, I raise a kid right every day i mean i, I see that yeah <laughs> so so we're gonna end the show there and uh, we had a surprise run in with jacob but uh we wanted to thank you stevie for coming on the show talking with us it was a ton of fun love talking best of both worlds one and two easily probably one of the best episodes of tng that they've done um just want to thank you uh, we want to plug everything you've got going on we're going to let you 
do your own plugs because you know it all better than everybody. So tell everybody everything you've got going on, please. Actually, I don't. Ben Ben usually handles it. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. he did. We have Steve Richards Fitness.com has the resistance band training programs, which both of you guys do have. Thank you yes. for uh, supporting the brand. Hey, uh, anything for you, Stevie. I appreciate it. I still oh. need oh. half moves, but that's okay. Sorry, on they're that. Coming. They're, they're coming. Oh, real they're coming. Quick. I did have a question come in for you, Stevie. This came in strictly for you um, based off the workout. So uh, this came from actually Money MacGyver, James MacGyver, our uh, co-producer and uh, the co-host of the uh, SmackDown, Smack Attack. He asked, would you ever come up with a Star Trek themed workout program? And if you would, he would do it and he would video himself doing it. Like he's saying, like, if you want to be a Klingon, this is the things you want to do or or some kind of Star Trek based thing. Have you ever thought about something like that? I've actually thought about if I can get a green screen to do a workout on the holodeck. Wow. Whoa. That would be cool. But yeah, I mean, to name them after, I mean, I could have a whole new demographic, but I've learned my lesson with, with, well, not many wrestling fans, but there's a good number of wrestling fans that don't want to buy workout gear. They'll just go to pro wrestling tees. So that's their, they, everybody comes around eventually, but yeah. I mean, also flat, I still got to make flat earth, flat abs, which is going to be a, a <laughs> workout video. There you go. That's that like that. a big request. Yeah. I, I can see that being pretty amazing. I, I would have to brush up on a lot. I mean, if I can actually do a workout video in Klingon, like in the language, Ooh. that would Ooh. be that would be good. Right. I, would yeah, really, be good. I would really know who knows Klingon by the purchases. Yeah, exactly. I might know somebody. Um, I know someone's actually fluent in Klingon. Really? Yeah. I'm not she's sure. A, I used to have a dictionary. Yeah, she's she's a huge Star Trek fan too. So, oh. all right. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that did I, that reminded me of that question to come oh, okay. in for you specifically. So, so Stevie Richards Fitness brand, go ahead. StevieRichardsFitness.com. The resistance band training programs and the full workout videos are up there. If you have any questions, you can email me, StevieRichardsFitness at gmail.com. Uh, if you want home gym equipment, forceusa.com forward slash Stevie. Diamondbackfitness.com forward slash Stevie. I always get tripped up with that one. But if you watch any of the YouTube videos, the links for all the, the links for the affiliate stuff and the codes are in the description of all those videos. Check it out. Search Stevie Richards on YouTube. We're just about to hit 73,000 subscribers. So it's pretty cool. All right. You know, mostly fitness stuff. But like I said, I'm uploading some tech setup stuff. We got this cool chair from X chair that just got sent to me with actually heat and massage on it, too. Which oh, hello. It's like nice. a Herman Miller chair, but it's got heat and massage. It's nice. That's fancy. It is fancy. very fancy. It was free too. <laughs> <laughs> the king of free. The king hey, of free. Hey, hey, you got a 50-50 shot if you send the email. What's the worst? Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's how I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And, our, and I mean, and so that's how we, is it. Do you want to give people social media? But I know you're not really on social media, right? Instagram, Stevie Richards, not on Twitter. I got my Twitter account, but it's really just for vanity metrics to get free stuff. Sure. Sorry. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, no, that's good. I and like, I think I think social media in general, if that's that's the if we can get past this point of just social media, we can have a Star Trek like society. Mm-hmm, exactly, that's holding us back from a higher oh yeah a higher calling and a higher consciousness. Yeah, you know. And speaking of social media, since you have Instagram, I did want to once again talk about um, Tuesday. This Tuesday on the ninth is. 
Team Dating Violence Awareness Month. It is Wear Orange Day. So uh, if you have an Instagram account, social media account of any form, we'd like for you to wear orange and then uh, post that. And then you can hashtag orange for love. Uh, love is respect. Um, and then Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. They have all kinds of hashtags. You can just Google them. And there's a whole bunch that come up uh, that day. Love to see, you know, I'm also trying to be intentional with my social media to be more aware of spreading things, uh, letting people know that this is a big deal. One in three teens last year alone experienced abuse in a dating relationship. And that's what was reported. You know, 1.7 million reported that last year. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that's what there were. That's just what was reported. Taking notes on, if not even lower than that. So we're talking 4 yeah. million yeah. cases or more. Or more. Exactly. And so um, and that's what we see at our job. You know, like uh, when I did Domestic Violence Awareness Month last October, we in our county had 450 cases reported in our county in Parker County, which is a smaller county in Texas. And we were 40th out of the entire state. That was what was reported. Then what people who got services from our program was only 140 out of those 450. You know, so, man, the disconnect, we want to raise that connection of this is the places you can get help. This is how you're going to do that. So the Crossroads Youth Program, Instagram and Facebook are going to be places where we're going to be posting lots of information, um, how to get help uh, if you suspect someone's doing that. And if you're not sure, just make the report. It's okay just to make the report. The worst case scenario is, you know, nothing comes from it because there's nothing there. But the best case scenario is you might save a life or someone exactly because of the things that come out of this abusive relationship that affects teens down the road. They're, you're, you know, 25 is where your brain fully matures. You're 17, 16, 15 years old and you go through something like this. It's going to affect you for the rest of your life. And so um, Tuesday, February 9th, wear orange, take a picture, post it, add the hashtags, share that out. Um, you'll see me on Instagram, Twitter, Jay Reezy Men, and I'll have my stuff out there, Crossroads Youth Program TX on Instagram to see that kind of stuff. And to get weekly, we're going to do three times a week, we're doing information of things of how to go about doing that. So um, I'm going to try to use social media for good instead of the cesspool that it normally is. Mm-hmm. So um, let's do that. And, and that's the only plug I'm going to do this week, Triple D, because that's important for me, especially with yeah. Tuesday coming. So no. that, that's it. That's That's it for me this week. No, that's no, it's definitely something important. And to everyone listening to it, make sure uh, you wear orange on February 9th and you actually do something good with your social media where you take a picture of it and you raise awareness for this cause because it is a cause that's not like back in the day when I was telling John before where you could go home and you could be away from it. It's everywhere now because of social media and how it is just a fucking cesspool. So guys, do something positive on February 9th, wear orange, uh, post it, post it on your social medias and look up the hashtags. But mm-hmm. for for me, for my plugs, the Commodore is going to plug, obviously, ZerdosOliveOil.com for the best olive oil. Everything else got a fresh batch from Greece. So, guys, check it out. Order it. Uh, I am going to ship bottles out soon. I am a little behind in the shipping. So, uh, guys, I'm going to get those out to you quickly. Um, Dippin' Donuts, uh, obviously the best donuts in the New York area. You can find us Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Dippin' Donuts, CNY. And we have the best, one of the best social media guys doing our social media, the great Ben Hameen. And the crazy thing about Hameen doing the social media, it all came, it was an idea that was put in my head. 
by uh, Admiral Richards when he goes, maybe you should have how many to your social media. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea. I never thought about that. So it was Stevie Richards that helped uh, Ben Hameen do the social media and he's done a great job. So I want to thank you for giving me that idea, Stevie. So I don't, I don't need all this pressure in my life. I don't want to, <laughs> I just want to be, I just, I just, I stay in the background of a lot of things. I don't need to, but thank you. Did no, a great job. So no, I was glad to put you, you guys need together. That. Because there are four lights. You need there, that light. There are, there are four. I want four zero lights, lights on. I don't even want this Elgato <laughs> light shining on me. I'm, I'm fine. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shut it off right now. And see, there, there's no there. lights on. No light. Well, we don't we don't record, we don't do video anyway. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> well now it actually looks better without the light. Yeah. <laughs> but but guys, I gotta say, you know what? We've been recording for two hours and seven minutes, and we've had a lot of fun. I wanna thank Stevie. Thank you for coming. And thank you for coming and talking about two of the best episodes ever in Next Generation, the best of both worlds, part one and part two. John, I want to thank you for doing a great job as a co-host, as always. And guys, remember, watch track, enjoy track, and always live long and prosper. Except for discovery. <laughs> <laughs>